Battle Line Podcast, back in the building. Ian Scotto here. Ooh, I'm Tonto drinking my coffee. And uh, yeah, every week on here, we interview different either special operations veterans like Max Mullen last week or guys in the contracting world like Phil Otto, also a veteran himself. Actually, really a guy who's done it all in terms of uh, yeah. military veteran, police officer, CIA contractor, and a guy who's contracted in the private sector as well and now um, working for a great night vision company. So he's I'm excited to talk to him. Yeah, he's 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 a good dude. He's not a, and he's also a farmer. He also on his spare time he owns a farm and he farms in Michigan. So yeah, he's he's a farmer operator dude. That's really cool guy. And uh, I've been a friend of mine for for quite a few years. And him and I worked in Afghanistan for a couple of years together as well. So uh, and, and again, like Ian said, now he's in sales with Photonis Defense and doing night vision, which is right up his alley and. Um, I use some of his stuff doing some marketing and, and it's uh, for his company. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's, well, I mean, I didn't expect anything different from Phil and his company as well as this stuff was made. So, uh, but we'll get on, we'll talk about all that and we'll continue to drive on. Yeah, for sure. And which is perfect because we could get into Afghanistan, which we yeah. haven't really yet. Um, and I'd like to get into Afghanistan, but before we do, you've heard us talk about Bub's Naturals. It's something I use just about every day. Definitely always post-workout. And uh, for those who who really still have questions about collagen protein, why they're probably paying a little bit more for collagen protein as opposed to whey protein or uh, whey protein isolate, collagen is the most abundant protein in the human body. It is literally the glue that holds our bodies together. Collagen is a blend of highly functional amino acids found in all of the body's connective tissue. Now, they do their collagen protein where they upcycle cowhide, and that would be wasted by leather tanneries. And they use that hide from pasture-raised and grass-fed cows. An enzyme bath breaks down the hide into molecules and boosts the amino acid profile. The collagen is agglomerated and hydrolyzed into a powder, and they stand alone as a single-sourced and certified flavorless collagen protein that you can mix with anything. Bubs is the highest quality for superior solubility, and they are single-sourced. They do not buy from multiple sources and mix together. And therefore, they're not they're not compromising their quality. And they're the only 100 uh, percent NSF for sports certified brands. So you will not be like uh, John Jones and get popped <laughs> for something if you're competing <laughs> in anything. But yeah, we, we can't speak more highly of them. And, and yeah. of course, 10 percent goes back to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, yeah. which helps yeah. military families, helps the children of uh, military veterans with scholarships and yeah. all different types of stuff like that, which is necessary. That's great. Great stuff. I use it every day. Uh, the MCT oil and then also the collagen protein and and also the uh, the fountain of youth formula, which my wife uses as well. And it, it guys, it all works. I've been using it since we talked to Bubs. I started talking to him a year ago about it's been a while. And um, but I've been using their stuff since then every day. And it, it's tremendous. And it's helped me with my workouts. It's helped me with recovery. Um, the the and the uh, fountain of youth formula definitely helps with it has protein and it. it has a ton of vitamin C in it, which helps your immune system. But then it also does with you uh, helps with the nails and hair growth, which it does because my nails, my nails actually grow. I can tell when I'm drinking it, my nails are growing. My hair feels better when I'm not using it and not using the powder drinking. I usually just put it in milk or um, um, almond milk, uh, not because I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> 
Almond milk. Do you ever milk. do the lactose-free milk? I like lactose. I, I have. I have. Just the taste is a little weird, but I don't mind it. I, I do like the almond milk. The taste better for some reason. It just tastes better. Um, but uh, guys, it, it works and, and it definitely helps with your workout. And if you say, oh, I need pre-workout, honestly, that MCT oil is a great energy booster and it works if you need. I'm not going to call it a pre-workout, but you can use it in place of your pre-workout uh, powders that you've used in the past. So guys, yep. go with Bubs. You're, you're not going to be You're not going to be uh, unhappy with their products at all. And, and here's the thing. You're seeing it everywhere. I mean, I was actually just at Vitamin Shop yesterday, and you see Bubs on the uh, shelves there. So you yeah. can get it all over, but you're going to get a better deal from us. Yeah. So yeah. really do it through us because, yeah, you're going to save a lot of money when you go to BubsNaturals.com and use the promo code BATTLELINE. You're going to get 20% off. And, of course, in the process of no matter where you buy it from, you're also helping the Glenn yeah. Doherty Memorial yeah. Foundation. Yeah. So BubsNaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE. Let's get right into it. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on, Battleline Podcast, and you're hearing, of course, the great music from Jimmy Allen in the intro, but we now have a new outro you're going to want to wait for at the end of the show, uh, because now Jimmy has done the intro and the outro, and it's all original music from Jimmy Allen, uh, the guitarist and songwriter for Puddle of Mud, against All Well, he kicks ass. Yeah, he's to have him on here and and play the music for our intro and outro, to me, is I, I think we're really lucky. You, you see true musicians. And that was back in the day. Puddle, say what you want now about today. You guys in your generation now, man, me growing up in my generation, my generation with the, with Puddle of Mud. And then you've got the Alice in Chains and you've got the Pearl Jams and you've got Soundgarden. And, I mean, that, to me, I, I was I grew up in an era, just a mecca of musicians. And, and you really kind of took it for granted back then. But now you listen to it like, man. You don't have people that play music like that anymore. And Jimmy's one of those guys. Jimmy is just a tremendous guitarist and songwriter. And and we're lucky to have him, you know, do our intro and outro on the show. It's 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 a blessing and a tremendous blessing. So thank you, Jimmy, if you're out there, you rock, brother. You're still tearing it up. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, I love his stuff. And when I heard the outro, I was like, this is great. You guys are going to love it. Um, you know, it's funny on the topic of music, I I came across this today and and music that you well i guess you would say you grew up with i sort of grew up with even though it's before my time 30 years ago on this day we're taping on friday not only uh guns and roses usual illusion one came out and two and ozzy osbourne no more tears all great out today 
Did, did, really? 30 years ago no on shit. this day. No way. 1991. Yeah, that is amazing. Again, right there, you think about that, and and that that Ozzy Osbourne album actually was awesome album as well. Um, I love that album. Uh, Zach Wilde's guitars on there. Oh yeah, yeah. You just you don't hear that kind of stuff. I mean, I God bless all you bands out there. You know, I and you know, I I know you're 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 still rocking, but I don't know. That was just a special time when all that music was coming out because that was really. It, it meant that the, the the lyrics were tremendous. The music it, you could just feel it. It's like really soulful. I'm not saying soulful of being soul music, but just you could tell it was just being coming from the heart. And, and I don't really get that feeling with a lot of the music today. That's why I love listening to the stuff. Guns N' Roses is another one. Yeah, as, as demented as Axl Rose is, dude, he is he's a he's a musical genius as well as the entire band of Guns N' Roses from their founding members on to the ones that replaced Slash. You know, how, how many guitarists are like Slash with the hat? You just yeah. don't get that nowadays. It's, it's awesome. I uh, I didn't mention it on the show. I mentioned it to you. I saw Guns N' Roses last month at Giant Stadium. and Was and, it the founding, uh, me- the original? Me- I mean, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Axel Slash Duff, you know, no so is he? But yeah, uh, yeah, no, they've, they've been on tour for five years now, but, uh, you know, on and off. But when I was in the bathroom <laughs> of all places, <laughs> I hear Ian. And it was uh, Bill Loftus, who was a great friend of our friend Drew Dwyer, firefighter. And uh, I hadn't seen him in, in ages. So it's just it's one of those things. Sometimes you go to a show and you never know who you're going to run into. And of how, course, how how'd they sound, though? How they, they sound? were great. man. Well, the thing is, so I've seen Guns N' Roses a ton over the past, you know, as you said, when it was the lineup without Slash, the lineup yeah. with Slash. Axel's voice is definitely not uh, where it was 10 years ago, I'll say. And there's certain songs that I wish he would take out of the set list because he struggles through them. Okay. And they're newer and they're newer songs and people really care. I, I mean, I love Chinese democracy, but I know that the casual fan cares more about appetite yeah. for destruction, yeah, use your yeah. illusion. Yeah. And he's able to do those songs fine. So, um, but I mean, it's a hundred percent live. It is a great show and they're, they're awesome. And they've been tearing it up. And I, I know that all these concerts have been getting, uh, canceled all these tours because of the covid situation so they've been like super strict with it they are not doing meet and greets and all that just so they can get these shows done and not have to worry about that and they've been doing fine because of it i mean they've played new york and florida and california and uh nevada and yeah they've been all over i you should go, you should go out if they were near you i mean it, it was a great well, time they, I had they it. and they play to... and they play over two hours they play like they play like that, two and a half hours yeah that's that's good that's old school man i i i, I as much as guns and roses is an axel it's just the weirdest I, I never could get into what he was doing his mannerisms but the band themselves like and slash yeah that's just the persona and, the, and he is a tremendous guitarist as well Oh, yeah. To me, that made the band, and, and, you know, and the whole the whole stick with the hat, and you know, and whether that's him or not, I, I I have to say I believe that's actually his personas and personalities has to have the hat. But watching that, it just reminds me of back 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 when I was at Range Battalion. I mean, that's when I was listening to those guys, and and yeah, you know, I I would I'd, maybe if they're in Kansas City, uh, if they come, would shoot up there and watch them and go me and my wife who now who else is in the lineup did you see Oz, that's not ozzy osbourne it's, it's not them right it's not like a tour with guns and roses and ozzy osbourne and, oh no no no! i'm oh, just saying that it happens to be 30 years since those albums okay um but no it's uh guns and roses and mammoth wvh who is wolfgang van halen the son of eddie van halen oh, wow and uh yeah he does a great job his band is great uh the, the rest of the lineup yeah it's axel slash duff of course those classic guys 
uh, Frank Farrer on drums, uh, Melissa Reese on keyboard, Dizzy Reed also on keyboard, oh, wow. who's from the yeah. Usual Illusions days. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I think that's the full lineup. I mean, they've had so many. I could be forgetting. So oh yeah, <laughs> and, and of course Richard Fortis, uh, Richard Fortis also on guitar. So it's it's a big band. Um, but yeah, they're they're great. Had had an excellent time. Good and uh, yeah, I would recommend people go out and, and go out to shows and with things sort of getting back to normal, just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh, also in uh, entertainment news, I know you're a big comedy movie guy and as am I. And of course you got to say RIP to the great Norm MacDonald, uh, probably one of my favorite stand-up comedians of all time. Yeah. 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 I, I wish I could, I, you know, people come and go and yeah, they don't, he still reminds me of the Saturday Night Live back when Saturday Night Live was funny. It's not funny. I tr- I've tried to watch it. That's like not even funny. Yeah. But that was, you know, again, another heyday of, you have Norm MacDonald and Chris Farley and Adam Sandler and, and, you know, back when it was actually Saturday Night Live. And, and I, I just, whenever you watch documentaries about Saturday Night Live or guys that were up and comers, especially when Norm was a senior, senior guy on the show. I just love it because he didn't take any shit. He would say whatever he wanted. He didn't give he didn't give two shit. No, not at all. Lauren <laughs> <laughs> Michaels. That's what I thought was actually cool about him is uh and and guy that lives his life like that. It's like and I think a lot of people, we should all live our lives somewhat like that, where it's like, hey, you know what? Fuck you. I'm doing what I want to do. I mean I, now if you lose your job because of it, you have to pay the price. That's just how you live your life. You know, just like me telling CIA case officers to go fuck themselves or the station chief and they're almost getting fired. That's, I knew that that wasn't something that was unexpected, but living your life to, by your own means and, and being yourself. And, and I think that's what, to me, if, if there's anything, you know, Norm McDonald, if I remember from him, if I, you know, and I'm not going to, I don't like to put people on a pedestal, especially professional athletes and artists and stuff like that. I really don't. But, you know, something where it's that he just didn't give a shit. And that was cool. Uh, and he still was successful, even though he didn't he didn't play by the rules, at least what I saw. I and agree. I think yeah. everybody yeah, has like some, Jim Brewer in that. Sense. Yeah, it's like, like you're getting crap today. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's like it gives a shit. F you. I, I'm funny. I do what I do. You like me fine. You don't fine. I'm going to be fine with my life. And that's I, I think a lot of us should be like that. It's like, I don't give a shit what you think about me. This is how I need to live. This is what I'm going to do now. If you're. Uh, you know, there, there's a fine line and we can all, we could get into that in another show, maybe on a, where it's just me and Ian, we got time, but you know, there, there, there does come a time where you just, you know, especially with social media when everybody is not really acting like themselves, they, they have to have a person, don't have that, be that person and just be who you are. And if people like it, fine. If they don't, well, that's fine too. And just continue to drive on. That's what, that's again, that's what I got from Norm Macdonald and, and and watching him growing up and then seeing the documentaries on him after I, I do i'm a big documentary guy i like watching documentaries. me too so. me too i just not to get into it, but i just watched that 30 for 30 on the mets that was a great that one. was a good one yeah, yeah, yeah that was over this uh yeah. past few days um but uh the, the last thing i want to get into before we get into our segment with phil otto is yeah over the weekend on 9 12 was the major airing and, and the first time of many people seeing uh, War Heroes on Newsmax, hosted by yourself. Yeah, and I thought it was excellent. And and the feedback oh, I've seen, yeah, feedback I've seen on social media, and I'm sure on your social media has been excellent. And people loved it. Well, I, you know, nine eleven. I, I really just put, I did that one post, and then I really turned everything off for three four days. You know, what I did on nine eleven. I I, I, t- I turned I, I did my little post. I did it at midnight. 
the night before so I could just get it done. Cause I, I really, it, it's not, it's, it's not hard. It's not easy to do. And um, when I type stuff, it really is coming out from, from my heart. But, um, I try to forget. I just want to be with my family. And you know what I did? I, we went to Dave and Buster's in Kansas City, me and my kids and my wife. And that's what we did on 9-11. So, and I turned my phone off and, and I had an amazing, amazing day where I didn't feel just down or pissed off or just you're, the emotions are everywhere and they run again. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and then the Newsmax, this we're getting on the Newsmax and also the uh, War Heroes. I didn't really see how well it did, to be honest with you. And we, we did it. it I, we did it like four years ago. We filmed it four years ago. And it's taken this long for somebody to pick it up, which is to me is outrageous. I, I thought Jack did a great job directing and producing it. Jack Thomas Smith, did, the director. Yeah. Um, and the Dolce family. Mama Dolce is the strongest, one of the strongest people I've ever met. Um, Cheryl Dolce. Right. Which will be on with us. Be on the show. Yeah. Um, I, I, as far as I know, it did well. I, I a social media, I looked in and I got some, but I, I just, I really didn't know. So are you saying it was, I, I believe you, bro. You tell me, you say, hey, man. It was, I, eh. I mean, of course, I'm not able to see, I don't know, ratings or any of that. I don't know. Either. I, I don't work for Newsmax. <laughs> in terms of just people hitting me up, a lot of people, I think, mistaken, mistakenly and understandably think it's a new thing. And, or, and some of them assume I had something to do with it. So like, oh, he did a great job in the Newsmax thing. And I'm like, I had nothing at all to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was filmed years ago. But like, for example, um, Christopher Strom, who had on NYPD yeah, Marine, yeah. when he watched it, he was like, oh, this was great. If there's any way at all, can you cover this family in the next episode? And uh, I hope he didn't think it was blowing him off or anything because I had to let him know like, hey, for one, this was taped years ago. Yeah, like, yeah, and personally, I don't know the future of the show. I don't know if it goes on with you hosting it. I don't know if it continues. I, I just don't know. I have no idea. Well, I can answer Chris's questions and people that will probably hit us up, which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I mean, Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad people, and I'm glad people feel that they can get answers, whether it's emailing you or emailing Jeremy Mitchell over on the gear locker page. Cause they do, you guys do a great job saying at least, Hey, I don't know, but I'll find out for you or, sure. you know, uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's up to Newsmax. And and I don't know. I you know, I really I know the show was done. I thought the show was went well. I thought it was done well. I thought that and I think the subject matter is definitely something that needs to continue to go. Um, but uh, there's a lot. I, I didn't do a, an interview with Newsmax to promote the show. And I'll be honest, I think I did. I wasn't asked to do it is because when they asked me to do the interview about Afghanistan, when all that was going on, which I knew it was just going to be a hit piece on the which, hey, I agree. The administration, current one, just jacked that hole up. They, they complete failure. But but you're in. You're to be say to just get this right here. Your interview on Newsmax was during the Trump administration. No, but that's thing. I didn't do an interview. That that was the whole thing. Is is I don't think I was got the chance to promote the show on oh, Newsmax. That interview. I meant that. I was thinking of the interview you did like a year ago. Oh uh, no no yeah that yeah. was no no I I said remember I stopped doing interviews. Well, when they wanted me to come on to do an interview about. Afghanistan what was going on at that time you know what was three weeks ago which it was again a complete failure guys the administration fucking botched it I said no I said no I'm, I don't do interviews so come to try to promote the show on Newsmax for war heroes uh, you know crickets it's like so I you know I, I so I what I'm saying is that I think the show should get picked up I really do. it's a good show it's it's it, it did it's a good subject matter but because I haven't heard anything about it because of what took place where I don't do interviews anymore to do talk about administrations. The only time we'll ever do it is on this plate. We'll do it here on the Battleline podcast where we talk about them briefly. 
I, I don't know if the show is going to get picked up uh, just because I'm part of it. And that's why I so told Jack, I, I said, Jack, man, I don't need to be a part of the show if, if I'm hindering it being picked up because I don't speak out anymore for the right too much. And I don't speak enough. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it's catch. It's like a no win situation. I'm, I'm, I don't talk enough on the news. So if you need somebody else to be the head of the show, please find them and, and have them part of it because I think it's something that needs to be put out there. And so brother, I, again, with what I'm telling with Chris, this goes back to Chris's questions. Hey, get this guy on. If I'm still a part of the show, definitely hit us up and I'll pass that on to Jack Thomas Smith. If I'm not part of the show or if the show doesn't get picked up, then it's just, you know, Hey, how many pilots is in, Ian, you've been in the business a while, you know, the, the maybe more serious in the radio, but you've seen enough. Yeah. There's how many pilots that, or, or trial shows happen that actually get picked up. The percentage is real small. Yeah, I, the fact that it aired, I think, tells me something good. Uh, and I and I'm not saying this to kiss your ass because I work with you. I, I think you are, <laughs> but I think you are the perfect host for the show because the show is entirely apolitical. They didn't talk about Obama. Yeah. They didn't yeah. talk about Bush. They, yeah. The show was about the war in Afghanistan yeah. and Iraq. <laughs> And uh, and the families of those guys. The show is completely apolitical. So even though Newsmax is a very political channel, I the show is not in that realm. And and that, kudos to Newsmax for putting it on because I know Jack had presented it to everybody out there from History Channel to the Travel Channel to Fox to you know CNN to everybody out there, and nobody would pick it up. And that's where I was like, well, maybe it's my ugly mug that's not helping this. <laughs> so let's Jack, if you need to put somebody up because I, I totally agree with you. It's not, it's not political, but maybe that's why it's not getting picked up. It's because God, you know, nowadays that's you and I are on the same page on that. If it's not political right or left or some side isn't bashing the other side, it's not popular enough. It's not going to work or we don't want the show because we want that divisiveness. Well, no, that's not what we want to do. We want to honor the gold star families that have kind of been lost in all this. Yes, we mentioned them, we give them thanks, but we always talk about the service member that died, which is important. Don't give me that, believe me. But let's look at the families and see how strong they've become holding it together, like Cheryl Doltz. I mean, gosh, the, her son's pictures on Newsmax before our Newsweek, yeah, before, yeah. She, before she even knew he was dead. And I mean, I remember I, 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 during a cut scene, I said, how did you not just go down there and just completely go postal on that organization? And she says, well, I talked to the writer and I acted like a, a teacher and a mother. I, I scolded him, but I understood. And I, I, I just, I, 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 you know, I was stronger and I, I wanted to be a better person. I, I raised myself above that level. And that helped me because I was, that was when I was going through a lot of anger four years ago. Is, and I was like, holy shit, this woman is stronger than I ever could be. Um, maybe I need to fix myself and stop being angry. If she's not angry, then I don't need to be angry. And that's why I say, I think Gold Star family members can really help us overcome adversity just by watching their strength and how they've carried on. And Glenn, same with Glenn Doherty's family, same with Tyrone's family, with his mom, Cheryl, who started the Wrestling Foundation. How do you continue on when the government or a media organization really has wronged you but you've continued to keep it positive and you've turned it into a positive light to help others. That's Gold Star family members and, and that Gold Star families. And I think that's what the show brought out. So God, I, I hope it does get picked up, Ian. I just, I hope it's not too apolitical for all you people out there that you have to have something divisive to watch. Is, is, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at, I guess. And my, my long rant there. 
<laughs> no, yeah, I think you're completely correct. And and I think now would actually be the time for it to get picked up because now yeah. people are focused again in Afghanistan. And I think yeah. for people in our world, we never stopped being focused yeah. on it. But for the outside world, uh, it wasn't something that was talked about, unfortunately. If you weren't in a military family, yeah. if you didn't have friends overseas, and it's such a small percentage of the population that serves, yeah. that I think it was not on the forefront of people's minds. And now it is. So maybe people do want to hear those stories. I think it's, think about like the Marines who just died yeah. in Afghanistan. I think yeah. people, when the timing is right, it's probably a little early, but when the timing is right, I think people want to hear from those families. Um, oh, definitely. And, and I mean, one of them, one of them called Will Cow's show, wasn't booked or anything, just called unexpectedly and went on a pretty heated tirade, you know, about the administration. And yeah, it was political, but I, I, that was their feelings. That was their genuine feelings about it. And I, I understand. And I think, no matter where they're coming from, people want to hear from the families how they feel. But may, maybe in a few months from now, when everything settles, I don't think now is the time to probably put a camera in their face. No, I, and but that's up to the families. It really is. And, and but I agree with you. And and listening to the families is is tremendously important because it, it doesn't become it's not political. But they're gone. That's that's what I even with our story and where what happened with us and, and others out there when they're attacking a government official, a family member or a service member who was there that watched his buddies die or was part of the mission and they attack that administration, whatever it is, it's not a political attack. They're, they're saying this person did wrong. This person effed up. We need to hold them accountable. But then the media grabs it and whoever side they're attacking, if it's the side that they're against, well, they use it as as ammunition to go after them and it turns into a political event. Or if it's the side that's pro of that administration, they try to dumb it down with smoke and mirrors and they say, well, no, we, you know, rationalization is awesome in the United States. We can rationalize anything away. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think having the, the members talk and people can listen to them, just know that they're not saying this because they hate Republicans or they hate Democrats, they're saying, hey, this leadership failed. We need to pay account of it, take, take account of this. And it doesn't make a difference if they're left or right. They screwed up. And now they're not being accountable for their screw ups. Maybe they're not need to be, maybe they're not good in leadership and we need to remove them or we need to pick better leaders down the road. And I even said that, I said that on Fox and CNN so many times and it just never, I don't feel, really feel like I could see the I could see that the, the uh, people that I was talking to, whether it was Tapper or or Hannity or whoever else, their eyes would glaze over when I would talk this. I, I say this. I would say, <laughs> I would say, guys, I'm not going. I don't care that Obama was in charge when it happened. That's not. I'm going not going after Obama. I'd be going after Trump or Bush right now if they were in charge if that happened. It has nothing to do with politics. The leadership failed. They screwed up. Then they denied it. Then they lied about it. And then they tried to cover it up. Just because it's not my fault that a Democrat was in power at the time or in leadership. I would have gone after Trump the same way. I would have gone after Bush the same way. I would have gone after Reagan the same way. But you just it just doesn't register in their head. And and that's why I think family members talking and speaking and saying just that this isn't a political statement. This is what happened. The leadership failed. They screwed over. They screwed up. Now they're trying to cover it up. I think we take the power out of the Democrats, Republicans and the, and the media that fights for both sides and just say it for what it is. It's black and white. This is what happened. This is who was in charge. This is what they did to screw up. This is what they didn't do for our family. This is how they disrespected us. 
okay, we need to pick better when we're electing our officials. I don't know. I, you know, I, that's, that's my rant. I've ranted for this for a long time and it, it just always seems to fall on deaf ears. So maybe this will help. And cause I agree with you, we need to hear of the families what will help us just become better Americans again and care less about the sides and more about the actions and then the, the reactions. And then also the, the sum of its parts, whatever things done. So we can say, Oh, you know what? You, you did awesome, Mr. President or uh, Commander in Chief. You really fucked this up. What did you do wrong? Let's take some responsibility for it. And I don't know. And then go down the line. It's it's the same with us. If I fuck up or you fuck up, you're going to tell me. And it's yeah. not because but I'm Democrat or Republican. God, I hope not. I mean, but <laughs> you know, and it's not because I like a, a certain elected official or not. I fucked up. Ian, yeah. you fucked up. I don't care. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah, that's just kind of a uh, personal attribute, I guess. If I get something wrong on the show, I always want to say, hey, I got something you do. wrong. Yeah, you take uh, responsibility and, for it. You definitely do. Yeah, and, and in the media, I think there's too much of, yeah, they have to be right on everything. And, and if they yeah. do get something wrong, it's it's glazed over really quickly. Um, but, yeah, we got to get to Phil. Ah, shit. I'm wondering why we're running late here. Here, I'll so text you. The- he, he can wait, dude. I'll text Phil. He can wait. Okay, wait. Well- <laughs> Well, before we do, we do have some great sponsors who keep us going, some great people in the ammo world, in the night vision world, and the first of which you guys have heard from many times before from from us, Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that it received the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in every state. Just go to fortscottmunitions.com. The link to that is in the description, fortscottmunitions.com. Click on on the dealer locator on the website, and you're going to find a dealer very close to you. So uh, check that out, fortscottmunitions.com. And if you want to check out any of their awesome gear, their shirts, their hats, they have great quality merch. Yeah. Uh, use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of this podcast, the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. This is what you shoot with on your uh, courses with BATTLELINE Tactical, and uh, it's high quality. And, uh, and also, of course... We're going to have Phil on, so we're going to get a little bit more in depth about Photonist Defense, but they're our newest sponsor, and we love what they're doing. Photonist Defense is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and outdoor enthusiasts rely on Photonist Defense systems to make their adventures safer and more successful. Military, law enforcement, both of which Phil Otto was, uh, and public safety end users utilize photonist defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. 
photonist defense. Are you are you choking there as I'm doing this read? <laughs> sorry, but I'm gonna keep I'm it in sorry. there. It's fun. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that, Phil. My bad. <laughs> uh, so photonist defense is now offering state of the art night vision systems from the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular and the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular to the PD yeah. Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Customers from all over are excited about these new, smaller, lighter NVGs. Yeah. You've got to see these things to really experience how much smaller and lighter they are than anything you've used previously. We're going to get more into it with Phil, but I know you've shot with these. Oh, and yeah. I love them. They're awesome. I, the, the weight is tremendous. And that's huge on night vision because if you got heavy NVGs back in the day when I started the heavy seven deltas, you got what we call rubberneck where you're, you just can't pick your head up. And it hurts at the end of the night. You're just you're spent and, and you can't move your neck at all and it's painful and, and and you're not as effective, especially if you're moving around with night vision all night or having them on, which occasionally it happens. So uh, the the weight is tremendous. The focus is tremendous. The 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 IR, the white phosphorus capabilities, which is how you see the, the see at night, they're tremendous. And, you know, just a little added is like the ability to shut them off when you just move them uh, instead of using angles or uh, angles to shut them off because that can hinder also operation missions. If you're shooting underneath cars, shooting underneath barriers, a lot of their competitors, because of at an angle, they will turn off. And the reason they do that is because you flip them up on your helmet or you flip them up on your head. You don't want them to keep running because the battery life is, they're all battery, the battery life's going to die. But then if you're shooting at an angle, they're going to, the system itself thinks that they've been flipped up on your head and they turn off. Well, they, the photonists don't do that as far as, as far as turning off when you're at an angle, um, they're going to turn off when you just move them away from your eyes, which that's tremendous because you want to be able to see with your normal vision because you can't see up close with night vision. That being said, Photonist Defense has developed something as it's a fast and it attaches to your night vision. It's a fast reticle that go, go ahead and focuses up close. So if you need to read maps or you need to read documents, you don't have to take off your night vision, which or try to refocus them. It's just a, an autofocus that goes on your night vision. And we'll let Phil talk about that. But guys, they're innovative, tremendous. Weight is tremendous. The the applications that you can use them for, can, like any night vision equipment, it's the best out there. If you're law enforcement or military or hunters, guys, you, you got to check them out and start moving to photonist defense or what you're currently using. And it, 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 they're the best out there. And we, we always go with the best. We are very lucky to have the best in the business as far as our sponsors. And we can honestly say that because we use all the stuff we've tried. Yep. We know. So tremendous. And Phil's doing a great job at, with them and, and uh, they're, they'll treat you right. Just like the rest of our, our, our sponsors do. Very true. Uh, so photonistdefense.com visit there for more information or look for photonist defense product options from your night vision dealer link, of course, in the description, but that's P H O T O N I S defense.com. So joining us for the first time on battle line podcast, a guy who, you know, from our newest sponsors, I said, photonist defense, he's the current sales manager there, but more importantly to you guys. And the reason we're having him on Phil is a retired Marine Corps sergeant, police officer, CIA defense and intelligence contractor, uh, former private sector intelligence analyst, Phil Otto. And, and Chris brought to my attention as well, a guy who does farming. So he's the sexiest farmer in Michigan. <laughs> if you can, we have video, you, you, you have a hell of a resume. Right you really now. do. I know. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I, I try to be a well-rounded individual. <laughs> you know, I, I think if 
people knew what I did in the past compared to, you know, what they see now, uh, they'd probably be surprised, at least on the farming side, you know. <laughs> but that's, that's but that's awesome. That's what I was like. I You're back farming. You left Afghanistan. You started it's like yeah. from a. And, and started, I remember talking to a buddy of ours, L.R. Brenda. I was like, what's when I ran, didn't know what Phil was doing here. I lost touch with Phil for a couple of years. Phil and I used to work. Yeah. Otto, Otto used to work. Otto, that's who his call sign, of course. Yeah. He, he, his was easy because his last name is Otto. But he did look like Otto when we were working from Popeye. He did He did kind of look like that guy. Okay. Um, but um, right. I was like, Where, where's Phil doing? Well, he's farming. And I'm like, he's farming right now. He's, he's on his tractor farm. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking Phil tactical farmer out there. Fair and hay bales. But brother, no, it's good yeah. to have, good to have you on. And, and, you know, really all we want to get into, if we could, at least initially, you know, joining the Marine Corps and, and things like that, you know, we always want to, I, I think it doesn't get old. Everybody wants to hear what, what pushed you to the Marine Corps and then did basic training stories. Um, were you, I, I never talked about it. Were you one of those criminals that had to go in the Marine Corps or were you, were you a straight, you just <laughs> signed up and then we can talk about Afghanistan, you and I together as well. Right. But yeah, man, um, what, what's, how'd you start it, man? Start off with your career. Uh, well, as far as Marine Corps goes, I mean, like, uh, you know, listening to your podcast and anybody else for a lot of folks, I wouldn't say everybody, but you know, it's something from childhood on up you know, some kind of passion, some kind of early seed that was planted in them, whether it's, you know, prior family members or yeah. just kind of a sense of patriotism. And, you know, I'd, I'd be no different, you know, growing up as a kid, I think, you know, we were, you know, the kids on the block, at least the the boys that you know I grew up on, we got, you know, many hours just kind of playing, playing army in the woods or, you know, doing something with stick guns, you know, and you were shooting each other BB guns. We don't have a politically correct show. I did. Little, we put, we had BB gun wars yeah. when I was growing up. <laughs> I would say, yeah, getting into junior high, it kind of got, got that way. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, that, that was really what started. And, you know, my father was in a Marine Corps and, um, you know, our grandfather was in the army. So, you know, there was a little bit of the family, yeah. Um, carryover as well. And then after high school, um, uh, yeah, I was off the boot camp probably a month after graduating high school, something like that. Because, uh, you know, most of the time, the at least Marine Corps recruiters, they'll set to a date and they always call two weeks early, <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning. It's like, you got to get on this freaking train to, you know, today or you're going to miss a slide. It just, because they know the longer people wait, they yeah. get cold feet. Yeah, yeah, you know, and everybody. It seems like everybody's got the same story, and that was no different. I think I was, you know, hanging out doing, you know, somewhere the night before. And I think I was asleep on the couch. A recruiter called like eight o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, you got to be on the train to uh, go process at Maps and go to boot camp like today. And I was like, Shh, okay, let's yeah, go. Yeah. You know. It, it, um, it's, it's weird how that works in the army. They put us in a hotel two days before fire and they're like, you're in jail. Yeah. They, they, it, I, they yep. you know, they put you, you get there and, and Hey, here's your hotel. And it's, you know, you, they just monitor. You can't go anywhere. You're basically right. in hotel prison because they don't want you running off. And, and, but you're right. You have people get cold feet right at the beginning. And yeah. that's when they usually opt out. Right, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Keep, keep going, man. Um, well, I, you know, just to kind of, 
keep the conversation going. Uh, boot camp, you know, is kind of a blur. I don't know. I, I remember segments, right? You don't, I don't really remember a lot of boot camp as being this long story. It was just little points that I remember. And, you know, one of them, at least for the Marine Corps, you know, you show up and, and you, you unload the bus and you stand on the yellow footprints, you know, that's the Marine Corps. And I went to San Diego. So I was a West coast Hollywood Marine, I guess a lot of people call it. Um, and, you know, as far as I know, those yellow footprints are the same as they've ever been since, since as long as it's there. So it's kind of, you know, even coming off the first two minutes of you being there, you kind of jump right into, you know, the history of it and kind of, you know, shit, my dad was standing on the same footprints, you know, back in, Oh, it's 67 and, uh, you, you know, 30 years later, roughly, cause it was 95, you know, you're able to do the same thing. So that's kind of, kind of cool. Um, but yeah, boot camp was a blur, you know, it, it, like, uh, I imagine everybody else's experience, but there's just little kind of points that kind of flash back and, um, yeah, it was, that was interesting. That was, <laughs> you know, uh, swimming in the deep end, but it was fun too. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. The challenge was fun. And it was, um, it was kind of, sometimes it's comical, you know, why? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Watching oh. people just fall apart, you know, when the whole world's crushing around them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it can be funny at the same time, but you try you know, you can't laugh, obviously. You well, you can't, you can't. Now, I, you, you do remember all those things. And you remember those, those times of, 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 whoa, and you're looking back at them like, man, that was actually yeah. entertainment. That was fun. And the drill sergeants or drill instructors and they're screaming and yelling. And, and, and I, I still remember one of them were, were one of our drill sergeants. We had a private that had a accidental or negligent discharge with a blank. He was yeah. trying to clear. And okay. he, he had, we were going the range too. So we're, we're doing, you know, we're doing our pre range stuff. And so we don't have accident negligent discharges on the range with real ammo. And so we had, I don't know if it, he had his little paddle that he, cause he was going to be the range masters that had green and shit, yeah. red. Yeah. And I remember yeah. the dude pop right in his face. And I looked and it was drill Sergeant Harney and drill Sergeant Harney was the devil. He's just, he was this big, I loved him. Yeah. He was my favorite drill, big, big six, seven black drill Sergeant that looked like the devil, just a demon. And, but he dude, I love the guy. He was, he was one of, I, I still remember him as being one of my greatest mentors and just learning so much from him. But at that time he was the devil. We we're only three weeks into basic. Oh, and I remember right. smacking the shit out of the private with that paddle. Just pop, pop, pop. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? What son of a bitch. And I just watched it. And I, even then I'm, I'm trying, I, I started laughing because I thought it was the most hilarious looking thing. This kid from New Jersey, his eyes are about this big, oh, he has yeah. the BCG, the birth, birth control glasses on. And, <laughs> and I still remember yeah. Harney just cause it did, he shot it. Bam. I remember. And I saw the poof of smoke and the, <laughs> the muzzle was right in front of Harney's face. If I had a real bullet, Harney would have been dead. And I just remember, and I don't think they can do that anymore. Did, I know. Do you have any stories where, where drill sergeants got physical back in the day? You're old like me, dude. I, now I, they did an art. My first time through, they, they got physical. They, they threw us around. They would smack us. They would check. I mean, it, it, and then, you know, I ain't going to lie. We, we had some blank. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, well, it was starting to tame down. I wouldn't say they weren't like full out, you know, swings or like body I pull out it. five across the eyes <laughs> right they made sure that they were you know probably that far from you and um they would grab a, I mean, the one thing i do remember they would smack the rifle 
So they weren't smacking you, but it hit you in the side of the head. That's that's okay. You're getting away. Yeah. So they were just kind of working within the the regulations. Um, Because I know there were some horror stories. I want to say that not in my platoon, but other, you know, sister platoons or whatever that, I don't know, they were locking recruits in like the foot lockers. You know, know, if they, I don't know what they were doing, but most of the time, you know, it was just thrashing you. I mean, just, you know, they pull ups, push ups and uh, monkey fuckers and everything else. And they would, I mean, sometimes they would take your, shoe polish lid and set it down in front of you and like until that thing's full of sweat we ain't stopping that's right you guys are, <laughs> just to put it in perspective it's those little kiwi those kiwi shoe polishes that are only about what they're about a half inch big right? the, the lid's about yeah. less than a half inch and um explain to everybody what a monkey fucker is for all of our non-military personnel listening out there what what, well, that's what, what exercise is that well if as far as what we did um you stood up or from a standing position you grabbed your ankles and then you would squat <laughs> while holding on to your ankles and stand back you know come back up and it seems easy but it gets very hard real quick you're um, you, you got some sore ass sore ass gluteus yeah. maximus is good i remember yep, i just wanted you it's, to because because yeah. those are the most hilarious exercise and you feel like such an idiot doing them too Oh, no, it's, yeah, it's not smooth or cool looking at all. Like, you're not doing these at the gym, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if you do, somebody's going to make a TikTok video of it, and you'll be a TikTok star. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you, can, you, know, you continued yeah. on, and, and you know, basic, then, um, yeah. did you stay, because I never really asked you, did you stay on the West Coast, or did you head over to Jacksonville after you go, or well, 29 Palms? No, I, I was East Coast after SOI. So, yeah, when I finished boot camp, I uh, went to SOI back at Camp Pendleton. And uh, after that, yeah, all my duty stations were East Coast. Uh, so, you, you was it mainly at Lejeune then? Or, you, or you, is there somewhere up, I, up in Norfolk? Or where were you at? Well, when I started, my first duty station was Quantico, Virginia. Okay. okay. And um, it, there's a small company of like combat arms marines there and it's called enlist instructor company so all the officer courses tbs or what they call the basic school and then if you're an infantry officer uh or ground intel officer you go through what's called ioc infantry officers course okay and that course is actually very uh very difficult i know they were trying to send females through there and they couldn't get anybody to pass okay uh, but IOC is tough, and basically we're there as op four for the most part. So anytime, especially IOC, they've got long uh, field exercises when they'll go, you know, we'll fly to AP Hill, uh-huh. and you'll be out there for a week or two weeks, you know, one MRE a day, freaking patrolling, and uh, yeah. So that that was interesting. I was there, and then Second uh, Battalion, Second Marines at Camp Lejeune. Um, went down there and that was a good time. I guess that would be considered what the Marine Corps calls the fleet, you know, actual deployable forces. Uh, but Quanco was a good time. It was, 
DC at the time, that traffic, one thing I remember, dude, DC traffic is nuts, even back in 98. And I've yeah. been back a couple of times since, and I don't ever want to go back there. I, oh, I, that, I, I, that place is terrible. You can't get anywhere, especially in that, that oh. time. I don't blame being a pro. Did you guys, as privates, did you, well, you were what, E2 or E3 when you went there? You didn't make corporal. Yeah, well, I got there as E2, right? E2. I was E2 and E3 when I was there. So yeah. where did you where did you live? How do you afford to live in Quant? Or do you live in? Are there barracks there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, dude. I lived in barracks my whole first and left. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was. Well, uh, yeah, and even if you did like, I don't know how some of the other, but if you were infantry, even if you were, um, I want to say, if you were less than E five, and and some battalions might be different, but if you even if you lived out in town, you still had to maintain a barracks room. Okay. So you still yeah. had to be there on Thursday for in the Marine Corps Thursday's field day. You always clean Thursday and they inspect your shift Friday. So okay. Peacetime Marine Corps, put it that way. I don't know if they still do it now, but yeah. So yeah, the whole for I was in the barracks. Um, and you know, when I first came in, we had squad base still. We weren't individual rooms. The, the big open base, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The first couple of years, all pretty much that—that that was Quantico, Virginia. Yeah, we were squad based. I mean, definitely kind of taking a chapter, you know, back in a book into history with that. But well, it was fun. fun. It was good. But those time. are fun. Yeah, those are fun. The yeah. squad base. You you would think that that it wouldn't be, and honestly, the squad base. You know, it, it was somewhere you could, you would build right. camaraderie and, you know, and, and you'd build, damn near build your immune system up like a motherfucker because you got 30, <laughs> 30 dudes in there and they're all disgusting. Right. And if somebody gets sick, then another person gets sick. Everybody's oh, got the concoction everybody. of, but yeah. you, you fight, you fight through it. But I, I do remember the right. squad base too. And I, I remember them. I still remember a squad bay where I was in and I was. I was in charge. I would, I, we called the platoon guide at the time, basic we were at squad bay. Oh, yeah. And um, somehow we got some Skittles somewhere. We snuck them. <clears throat> I don't know. And I, I remember laying there and I was so tired because I was trying to be the platoon guide or the platoon and trying to run the platoon. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm so just being in the army for what, for four weeks now. And my best friend, Matt, he got some Skittles from somebody. We, he, they smuggled them in somehow. And I remember just laying there and I'm, I'm asleep, half asleep and this hand, I remember it touched my forehead and I'm thinking, Oh God, what the fuck is going on in this? And all of a sudden it, the hand comes from the top and all I feel is somebody trying to put Skittles in my mouth. And it was my buddy, Matt. He's like, he's like, dude, you need these more than I do. And he was, Wah. I mean, it was oh, no. honestly, you think back and now it was a bit sexual, but it was also pretty fucking cool. It was like, <laughs> and I remember, I just remember half asleep sucking on skittles going arr, 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 like this is the greatest day ever arr, and then going right back to sleep and waking up like four hours later to do my okay. damn fire guard duty but uh it's those stories in open bay yeah. you, you know you, it's those it's those got by with that yeah <laughs> i remember one time uh just go back boot camp real quick um usually they send two marines out they'll eat lunch first come back and they're the the fire watch, yeah fire watch right yeah. for the because yeah. you got the Rifle racks in your squad base still. Yeah, our, our, Army's the same way. It was at that time. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we went out, this other guy, I don't even remember his name. And we went and ate, and he went to go dump his tray. And he came back, and we, you know, probably ran all the way back to the barracks. 
And by the time we got back, the, the drill instructor took us outside. He would, just started to thrash the piss out of us. Uh, it's like a sand pit outside the barracks and pull up bars and all this stuff. Just thrashing. And I guess this guy I went with, somehow when he dumped his tray, found some ice cream and he woofed it down. I didn't even know what happened, but I was with him. So I got thrashed, you know, destroyed with it. Um, so I, that's when I thought you were talking about Skittles. I thought you were about to go to that direction. And I was like, I've done that. But I didn't get the, uh, you know, the luxury of no, we, the ice cream. We, we yeah we I, we got lucky because it was like at one a.m. and it was his fire watch, oh, so he's doing his walk and yeah that was that's to remember that that's to remember even the way it tasted and just like the weirdness of a hand or something grazing my forehead down to my nose go and me thinking what the fuck is going on your brain goes to some weird places especially when you're in a open bay with thirty dudes that are basically in their shorts and in a PT top. And it's like, okay, this is, am I going to have to fight what's going on here? And, but then the Skittles and, and I heard his voice is buddy, Matt. Like, yeah, sounded God. like you liked it. It was good. I'd do it again. I'd do it again. Right. No problem. Um, hey, Phil, so um, I, I know you have like, you know, deployments from it as a contractor. Right. Did, did you do any deployments as a Marine? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so uh, in the Marine Corps, and I, I'm pretty sure they still do it. It might have changed a little bit during, um, you know, the Iraq and Afghanistan years when it was hot. But so you do med, well, East Coast does med floats, West Coast does West Packs. And basically your battalion is, you know, embarked on ships for six months. And then you pretty much patrol <clears throat> Uh, a specific region and for the east coast it's usually in the mediterranean so you get on the it, it's like a six-month workup before because wow. you bring in a lot of other elements so it's you know it's an infantry battalion but then you've got like an artillery section and you've got uh, armored vehicles and then you got uh helos and you got a bunch of different things going on so it takes like six-month workup and you get checked off on all these different missions and some of them are like, you know, embassy evacuations and that kind of thing. Oh, um, sure. Hey, listen to that. Embassy evacuations. Know, right? And there's a Marine Corps yeah. boat in the Mediterranean. Hey, but nobody's available, it's right? Yeah, I know. Isn't yeah. Oh, nobody's there. Oh, but yeah, we've been doing it since the 90s. So yeah, they just well, took the week off since for the last 30. Not, uh, not, only, that, <laughs> not only that, you know, Fast Company. Yeah. They used to have a Fast Company in Italy or Rota, Spain. They were they were in both, but we had one. Remember. Actually, that night we had one in SIG. Yeah. I, I knew I taught, we were talking to him. And, yeah. and we had one and we also had one in Rota. We had one in Spain as well. We had yeah. two. And we had a meth. Nah, yeah. There's probably a meth somewhere unless they were. You know, some of the meths during Iraq and Afghanistan just went straight there. Well, that, there was they, one in the Red Sea. There. there was one in the Red Sea as well, because I knew the guys that yeah. were on it. I knew a couple of the guys that were on that one in the Red Sea. Right. And, and the and the Marine Meth guys, the Marine Expeditionary Forces, those guys, yep. Yep. they're they're the embassy of AC. They're the ones that fuck. Yeah. Them. And yep. no, we did. We had we had Marines all over the place, and not oh, yeah. to mention. So no, but I'm sorry. I, I just <laughs> thought I thought it was funny just to kind of rolled into kind of what we might get down the line and talk about down the right. line. Right? No, it. But, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely the case, and it, yeah, a whole nother. We'll, we'll get to that one. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, in my time, I was in during, you know, the Clinton years. It was pretty much peacetime. Uh, 95% of my uh, time in was was peacetime. But, uh, you know, it was still fun because you would about every week or so you would stop and do a training op with whatever that local, you know, that's cool. military was, was whether it was Greece or Spain or Italy. And then after that, you'd have maybe two days of libo, you know, wow. in the same country out of port. Um, and you pretty much did that for six months and then come back across the Atlantic. But uh, yeah, that was a good time. Um, you got to, like I said, interact with a lot of, a lot of the, the NATO partners and, and some other partners. And then, you know, I got to do the tourist thing on top of it at the end of it. So, uh, so, so did, you go to, did you go into law enforcement immediately after that? Was that the route yeah. you went? Yeah, well, yeah, no, I did. And I was even, um, so yeah, right. Like I literally one day was a Marine and the next day, working for a department in North Carolina because um, I kind of got the ball rolling my last year in. Um, you know, I was able to kind of get some things, get certified by the state. And um, and actually, you know, when 9-11 hit that evening, I did my initial firearm qualification for the police department that I was going to you know, that, that following year, cause I started as a reserve officer with them. Okay. So on the weekends I would, you know, work, work a shift on the weekends. And that was kind of, I was also knocking out my, what they call FTO phase or like an OJT yeah. doing that. So yeah, I was, you know, it was one of those times where I guess I was on top of the ball and preparing you know, for the exit and it was seamless, right. For the most part. Um, Unlike most things, are never seamless. That that transition was, um, yeah, proper preparation. Prevents, yeah, piss poor performance, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Some, yeah. Is that what you? I mean, is that is that what you want from the Marine? Is that what you wanted to do? Or is it just something like, okay, this is in my realm. I I'm still. I mean, I guess I I want to get out of the military. Still want to serve. Right. And still, or was it just you know what? honestly the best option for me right now. I got nothing else. Let's go do this. Well, no, it, it was more of a, just kind of like continued service. Right. Because when I was in peacetime military, I mean, I don't know about where you were at, but you know, it, it the, the nineties to me was a period of pretty low morale and poor, poor funding. You, you know, it, yeah, I tell, I tell people Clinton was terrible uh, as far as it funding. Was, it was Even, bad. Even in special operations, we our funding yeah. went ground. Granted, though, we had more money than the Corps because of right. us being smaller. So we still had enough bullets to train. But yeah. I remember hearing stories yeah. with some of my Marine buddies were like, you guys didn't have enough ammo to train with. And oh, you, Yeah, we didn't do a lot of live fire. When we did do live fire, it was a big event, but they were few and far between. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times it was, you know, <laughs> blanks or miles gear or something like that, you know, just... <laughs> stuff that doesn't work 50% of the time. Um, and, and, you know, you need some of that, but there's nothing that replaces yeah. live fire. You know, we did do, we actually went to Fort Bragg as a company and did this. They had a nice uh, live fire trench complex where 
you could have, you know, supporting, you know, your machine gun section shooting over your head. You're coming in, you know, breaching the wire, live fire in through the trenches, clearing it. And we even had frag grenades for that one where you use frag grenades in the trench and, you know, drop them off into these little offshoots and stuff. That was actually probably one of the funnest evolutions that we did. Well, um, and you and you do you know you guys don't get yeah. I remember we, we did that twice a year we had rotary wing bilats and then we'd have fixed wing right. bilats where those would come in then we do JRX training joint readiness exercises with right. it could be sometimes with you guys with and then delta would yeah. come in and the seals would, but yeah I, that's the and that's why I tell people hey yeah, well, I'm going to join the marines I was like are you sure do you really want <laughs> I, you really want to do it why don't you go where there's more money and you got more and it had nothing to do with the the guys were great it's right. just, it's just yeah. more money. You got more money to train. And, you know, you guys get to do that what, once. And we had to, we right. had to do that at least twice a year and we did it even more. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it changed when you were working up for the Mew. That sure. changed a little bit. Sure. Um, you did get some training money there, but you know, the wars changed a lot of that. You know, I, I was start looking at, you know, what the Marine Corps is doing now and, you know, watching them while we were contracting and, you know, the gear jumped by leaps and bounds over a short period of time and, and the funding for training and, and, you know, some, you know, there's a lot of good things that kind of do come you, out of conflict. Do you, do you think that was because the Marines finally joined special operations command, which back in the day, they were like totally against it. Like Marines. No, I, I think leadership went from, um, I, I leadership, took a different mindset. They really went from being a Marine on paper to being a Marine in combat. And I okay. think the leadership saw that and came up through the ranks. And I, I think that's been a huge improvement. In hey, hey, Bill, you'd be the person to really ask this with your background. And it's just something I've been curious about. Um, you know, in the past two years, and and look, granted, the media blows this up, but every time right. there's a bad shoot with a police officer, it's all over the news. We see protesting, riots, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, someone with your background, though, I'm wondering, do you think service members and guys who have been in combat make for better police officers than the civilian who goes right to that? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I would say on the surface, yes. I Just because... They, they should be used to, uh, you know, trying to make decisions uh, under, you know, stress yeah. and duress, right? I, yeah. I, I think there's a foundation there that is not found coming out of college. You know, you've not really, even going through a police academy, there's some state trooper academies that are, yeah, I would say pretty, ought to be pretty well respected. But for the most part, I don't know of many academies that really kind of do what military boot camp does or military service does, you know, yeah. in general. Now there's some things where I think it handicaps you, you know, if depending on your unit and what you did when you were in, I don't, you know, your, dis, your decision-making or discretion as an individual, sometimes you're waiting on it higher up to tell you what to do and how to do it. And as a law enforcement officer, once you're out of training, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you got to be able to, you know, think through things quick and and make decisions. So, but overall, I think it's a great foundation for it. I, you just need to be able, you know, that individual needs to make that transition from military sure. 
you know, Sedona Ellie as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't you know, know. I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Definitely agree with that. And I, agree, I especially agree with also your the state trooper versus the police academy train, which there are some trooper because that that is the trooper state trooper academies are more paramilitary. Somewhat structured type of boot camps where right. where police yep. academies just pass here. I, should I I know one person personally that there's no way in hell she should have passed a police academy, but she 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 got right. through it in different by different means there's, necessary. And I'll leave it at that. I'll just leave it right a, there. You mentioned yeah. this, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot of that, yeah. But um, no, I I think you know I think veterans make excellent law enforcement officers. But like everybody else, I mean, there, there's some veterans that won't, you know, they don't, I mean? they don't assimilate very well to the, right. I, I, there's you know, some that won't, but I would say <laughs> just in general. Yeah. I mean, cause one thing is there's so many veteran military veteran police officers. And I oh, feel yeah. like whenever you see one of these things explode in the media, it's actually pretty rare that you hear that they were, at least for, from my perspective, right. I sure. haven't seen a whole lot of military yeah. veterans turn police officers who are, behind these what's true what are yeah, considered bad yeah. shoots i guess yeah you're, yeah you're right man i've never i don't think i've no one i know there's got to be some out there but you're right on the big oh, ones yeah. that were on the screen george floyd and all that you're right brother they really have i guess i why haven't why hasn't that been steady that's something that needs to be steady. i mean it, it, you could <laughs> I learn even thought about it till you brought it <laughs> i know i mean it makes sense to me though because i feel like if someone who's been in combat they right. they have they've been under the stress they're probably less likely to use lethal force because they've been in this situation, I, I would think. Well, and on the other end, that's the thing is that people I, I have heard, especially businesses, uh, businesses that are reluctant to hire veterans, that you are more likely to pull, which I, I completely di- I disagree with. I'm like, no way in hell. No, if, I think if you've been under those situations, you're less likely to pull the trigger. Um, but that yeah, uh, the well, argument and I, I agree, man. Right. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I completely agree with the. Well, it's some, right. you know, some. I think some man, you know, on, on the business side, just I think sometimes people that aren't, you know, of a military background or some kind of challenge in life, sometimes they they might take um, uh, somebody kind of throwing a bullshit flag as, you know, anger management issues. I, I think there's, you know, some in the corporate world, there's a lot of people that don't like challenge or confrontation or anything like that. So I, I think knowing somebody's going to speak their mind, even if it's done properly, people still don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. No, you're, you're well, cause yeah, you, and, anyway. and, and you're in a corporate, you've been in the corporate world for a lot of years <laughs> since, since you left GRS bit, yeah. from what uh, you've been a farmer and a corporate guy. You've been, and so, but <laughs> you know, before we get yeah. going, going to, you know, we're, we're probably not going to get to everything. So I have to have you back on again, but, you know, you yeah. got the law enforcement. You you did the law enforcement for a few years. Right. What what pushed you to the? Did you go right in? I, I, did you go right in the GRS, or did you start like on that WHIPS or the or the State Department Protection Program first, and well, then jumped over? So actually, I had a buddy that I served with. Um, I actually worked a couple months for a company called Custer Battles. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> my God. That was my first How did you live in contract? Yeah, how did you live? That was that? a buddy of mine. Those guys and you know the sad know. thing is they were run by a ranger. 
That was a ranger that ran the company. That was, those guys were the most loosest cannons, no body. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Tell us, tell us about Custer battles, that experience. That's awesome. I don't, you know, there was, there was a lot of good people there, you know, and, and some of, some of us and them migrated over into. See how his his corporate, his corporate side comes out (laughs) like that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, but it was, it was, I wasn't there long, you know, like 60 days or something like that. It wasn't long, but uh, a good friend of mine, we, he ended up getting killed while we were there and um, we were outside Missoula. And our convoy hit an IED and it was the first vehicle and I was tail vehicle. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was not, we were not prepared or well equipped yeah. to do the job we were doing, but coming in from, you know, the Clinton time military and law enforcement to that, I'm done. You tell me to do it. I'm going to do it. I, you know, I, so that was a steep learning curve. Um, as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't, it, it was interesting. It was a lot. We were basically escorting like supply convoys from like Abu Ghraib. They had a logistics yeah, area yeah, yeah. and running them all over Basra, Missoula, all over the country in vehicle, no armor, thin skin, skin yeah. <laughs> no, no commo, we had no commo <clears throat> other than vehicle to vehicle. Um, and then when that happened, when when kind of we took a hit that day and my buddy died and a couple of guys got hurt pretty bad, that was kind of where I think a lot of folks draw the line. It's like, we can't operate like this. Well, I, what, I think that's when they started to, to not work anymore. They were, lo- they were losing guys. Guys were, guys were jumping, was, jumping ship and going to other companies. the downhill. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, so actually there was, oh, there was actually quite a few people that, working for Custer Battles that eventually when I got to Whips, I saw them over there. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting time. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, but that was the, fun, dude. That was, I, it was, it was fun to look back and go, man, I lived through. That was, that was 2004 wild, in Iraq dude. was wild, dude. That was, there, dude it was lawless. <laughs> and it yeah. was, you're seeing guys. I mean, I remember having truck drivers come out of nowhere, riding up on our motorcade and us pulling guns on them because we didn't know who the fuck they were. And right. a guy come, Oh, I'm an American. We're like, well, why the fuck are you rolling up on us? I, it, it was just right. so madness. You just didn't know. And seeing it Custer was. battles out there or, or seeing uh, olive group or seeing control risk yeah. group or Edinburgh risk or any, or even our, and then Tim Spicer and his clowns that were running out there with You're agents. Some that, old names out there. But, but that was, but it was, it was just madness. Yeah. And I, but I remember Custer Battle always stuck out because it was like, holy shit, those guys, they're pretty much all going to die because they, 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 what the fuck are they do? I can, I can only laugh at it now. You know, <laughs> it, it was, it was something. So you jumped but, over to WIPS, right? You jumped over to the State Department, yeah. the High Threat Protection, which was originally mm-hmm. High Threat Protection. And then they, then they jumped over yeah. to WIPS. How many, when did you, because of time, I just want to get into it. You, you did your stuff there. That was mainly Iraq, still stayed in Iraq, right? for all that well i you know i did uh baghdad for a yep. while and then i went to Kabul okay uh for a little while as well and then from there um in 2006 fall of 2006 i went to tdc and uh that's right yeah yep. i started on the grs side 
Yeah. Was that was that just word of mouth again? That's generally how it was when we were just getting guys on, or did did, did the company yeah. or with say, hey, do you want to try out with uh, this agent with agency? Yeah. So, I, yeah, a friend of mine that was he worked whips for a while. Um, he uh, just sent me an email said, hey, if you want to do this, shoot a you know a, a bio resume to to this person. And for me, and you know, I you know, yeah. The, the requirements to get into GRS are, you know, a lot tighter than they are at WIPS. So I ain't got nothing to lose. I'll send them a resume or tell me, no, I'll keep working WIPS. They're going to yeah. tell me, yeah, I'll get lucky because I, you know, I know you, you could get a waiver and kind of yeah. be grandfathered yeah. in, you yeah. know, kind of case by case. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I fell. So I was just lucky to, to get on board, man. I remember, yeah, you had to have six years special operations experience. But again, you're right with the waiver. And it was if, if you had time and country and you had done other right, threat protection. Right. And then you also had combat arms. You know, it wasn't just, yeah, you know, you weren't yeah. just a cook. You were actually infantry within a unit. And then, wait, shit, well, right. he was a contractor for three years in Iraq. All right, well, let's let's get him in and try him. And there, there were quite right. a few guys at that time because that's when GRS was really starting to grow. And, and I remember we need, we needed guys at that time. Uh, and that's where you and I met, that's where you and I worked and, um, yeah. and, uh, rode around, rode around Kabul, getting, getting yeah. coffee and getting some mystery meat on the corner and, mystery uh, mystery, oh, get, yeah. getting some chicken kebabs and hanging out in Kabul and watching the, <laughs> watching the clown fest at the Ariana, man. But, you know, that's it was the way it is. Yeah. You're kind of hanging out in the vehicle, you know, you're doing your thing, but, <laughs> You're also shooting the shit while you're doing it and trying to play the tourist role. And, and yeah, that was that was a good job. Like I said, I was I, I'm thankful to to have been part of that and worked around some of the guys that were. Well, and, you know, and you're you're one of the guys that, time. and you're one of the guys that wasn't. I don't say scared. I wouldn't say scared. I don't think any of the guys were ever scared. But there were a lot of right. guys that weren't comfortable getting out of the vehicle and going to a restaurant or go. And if that oh, was one of the guys oh, where I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Phil, let's go. Come on, man. Yeah. Just take your okay. baseball cap off. Okay. Let's, let's go, let's go. Really? And, 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 and we could, we go around town and, and did him and I, I remember there was one coffee shop across from the French. Was it the French cafe or there was a restaurant in the middle and we'd walk uh, over and what was it was called the lot. It was some French French cafe that some case officer would go there all the time. And we were like, fuck I was just going to say that they would have some meats over there and, and we would go and yeah, that coffee was strong. That was, that was some, oh, and, and, and they had that little, some little, I don't know what she was. She would always be there at the little pool right. there in a thong <laughs> in Kabul. Again, this is, people don't think this shit in Kabul, you would see this little, and I don't know what she, maybe she mm-hmm. was Russian. Maybe she was his back, but I remember we would sit back and yeah. they would have their meetings and it was a huge area. Me and Phil would go sit in the corner and have Kabul and maybe order some French fries. Cause they had French fries there. And, French and, fries. Yeah. And, little, oh but, um, yeah, that was a good time, man. It, it, uh, that, was watch, that, was, that was busy, dude. That site was busy. Yeah, we, we, we were busy 24-7 moving around. And uh, actually, Phil and I are the ones that – I don't know if we found it originally, but I remember that we uh, we found that one hamburger joint, and there's no cows around. There was an American that had moved to Kabul that was a cattle farmer, and he had he was running – he actually had cows, it and it was his – It was a steakhouse and hamburgers, and it was real beef. 
And wow. like, dude, let's stop and get a burger. Where we're, yeah, let's go. Phil was one of those guys that he just, there's guys that wouldn't get out of the car, which is like, are you kidding me? We're, this is what how, we do. How was it, man? My, like my experience of Middle East cuisine is just Israel. So, Israel. Yeah. It was a, dude, it was a burger. It was an American burger. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. actually, it was real beef and real steak and, you know, it's um, funny. I'm, I'm wondering with like the halal there, because this is, yeah. I mean, Israel's totally different, but the interesting thing in Israel is how there's like, there's a kosher McDonald's and a non-kosher McDonald's. And, and you know, there were McDonald's where you couldn't get a burger with cheese and there's some where you can get a burger with cheese. I, I don't remember a McDonald's there. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, in, in Suli, I was in uh, Sulaimania. We they did have, yeah, we, yeah. but it was a knockoff McDonald's. You know, it, but is, yeah. is everything, is everything they halal got, there? Is, is, is all the food halal? Uh, uh, I remember I getting. Don't recall. I don't recall. I remember getting cheese. I remember having cheese on, on yeah. some of my some of my stuff, except during um. Well, I when think eat, you know what was halal it? Halal is slightly different than kosher Maybe. in that I don't. Can you eat milk with cheese in halal? I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to Google idea. this. Yeah, but I know also, it's, with with kosher you cannot. Um, because oh. you know it's just Muslims use the Arabic word halal. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe it wasn't I know real cheese, though. I don't know. Maybe that. Right? Oh, don't tell me that. I know. I don't know. Maybe it was, I don't know. I, I think maybe you can with with halal. Halal and, and kosher are a little bit different. Um, because yeah, kosher you can't mix meat with dairy. Right. Uh, I of course know that from my background. Halal. Well, also, yeah, a little different. Also in Afghanistan, Muslims are supposed to drink alcohol, but yeah, that 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 that. Yeah, Throw sure. Out the window. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's more absence there than there right. probably is in DC, to be honest with you. And that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no doubt. Yeah. But, you know, brother, I know I'm talking about the cobble tons because I like reminiscing with you. But, yeah, um, yeah. It's all, which is awesome. I mean, it's cool to have someone on who has those experiences. Well, with you. And it, it was, it was yeah. fun. There were certain guys that you just were like, I don't want to ride with this guy today. He's so uptight. He's so fucking edgy. There's, there's some guys there that, yeah, it's all take. I don't say take themselves too serious, but no, they take themselves way too seriously, dude. It's like, dude, just act like you got a personality. I know. It's like, (laughs) we all know that you're a hard ass contractor, but stop it. Right. As soon as you step out of the car and you're a hard ass contractor, every eye, well, there's the fucking Americans. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I know we want to get into this a little bit. You know, I have my feelings. You, yeah. know, you worked there for a while. I forgot that. Yeah, Suli. Suli is a Suli's Kurdistan, guys. That was another wonderful place to work. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. So I was well, yeah, and I did a JBAD trip too when we were living out in town. You're living in the house. How was? Like, yeah, how was we were that in the neighborhoods. Experience? Yeah, how, tell people about that experience. I don't think people jeer it and think jeer jeer us. We live out in the community in most places. We live in little houses. Yeah. And things. How it, was that experience, um, man? It was a good time because we we had kind of one street, right? And we had our little security guys on both ends, but it was houses and it'd be our house here. And the next house was an Afghan family. And the guy that took care of our yard, you know, he was an Afghan. He grew pot in the front yard. But uh, <laughs> it was neat. It was kind of a like we had a little community going because we were there with some task force elements and some other things as well. Um, it was, it was fun. It was a good time. I, I prefer that over, yeah. you know, being stuck in, 
what is an obvious U.S. government building, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much like an aiming state for a freaking mortar. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. So I'd, I'd like living out in town. I know there's obviously risk on that side as well, but that was a good time. What do you, sure. what do you, what do you think? And, you know, Ian and I both want to get your opinion. I have my own opinions, uh, but, you know, you spent time in Afghanistan. You got to know a lot of locals, the JBAT, especially living when you live out in the city, you really do become part of the part of the infrastructure of the city. And you, like I said, even the Afghani families, then we have locals coming in and working in our places and you get to know them and you, and you make uncles oh, and aunts. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're as far as Afghani, I had a Momo and a Coco in Kabul. Momo's the, the, oh. the uncle on the, on the mom side. Coco's the uncle on the dad side. Oh. And they were my, you know, they were, uh, uh, but what do you think about right now? You know, with, with, cause and it doesn't need to be political, just tactically speaking, right, or right. us just, us with this, with the ridiculous and leaving, leaving it, basically leaving the country to fuck themselves is what we basically did. With a lack yeah, of a better term. You know, part of me says, you know, 20 years is way too long. And if it ain't fixed now, I don't see how another 20 is going to correct it. Sure. You know, yep. that's my first thought. And I, I think an exit needs to happen. But, you know, you go back to the, okay, well, how's it done? The actual exit, um, the actual exit. Right. Yeah. yeah. To me, I, this was obviously a, a disaster. I mean, you can read any, if you look at any news site, you know, whether it was Europe, you know, not just U.S. news, but look around the world and see what the headlines are. And, and they've got the same opinion. And, you know, you can look at Al Jazeera and, and it's yeah. pretty much, you know, they, <clears throat> a shameful U.S. exit or, you know, a, a circus type exit. It, so, but I, you know, I don't, like you said, I, I try to stay out of the political end of it, but uh, I, I can't see how this was done correctly. I don't think anybody can say this was done correctly. I, you know, I'm, I'm agree. I think a lot yeah. of veterans are in agreement with you. There's, we all are like, it's never going to be fixed. That's why we say, don't go overthrow dictators. Don't try to do nation building. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't work. But then right. when, when you exfil, and, and you do leave. Well, you don't, I mean, that's one-on-one shit, man. That's one-on-one leadership. Yeah. You don't leave your gear. You, you, you don't let the, your enemy cover your exit. Like, Hey, okay. Hey, Taliban, can you pull security while we exit? Ah, thanks guy. You know, and, and you, tr- you get out civilians and those that right. have assisted you. And then, and you definitely keep your air base there. I mean, it's it just, but it, that's, again, I, I think people turn that into right. politics where that's just tactics. That's just basic tactic withdrawal. And it, it failed miserably, but I, but I'm in a group yeah. with you there. We, we couldn't stay there forever, but we could have, we could have exited more efficiently. And it, it, it was, it was a complete watching it from a watching it with this 10,000 foot view that we have because we're not there, but watching it, you could just like, man, that was a cluster fuck. And we just basically screwed everybody over, but man, right. as Americans, you and I both have seen it. We go into countries. It seems like, and we always fuck that country up. Libya, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan now, Yemen. Yeah. There's another one that people don't want to talk about under the Obama. Yemen, we just totally, uh, it's like, wow, what, what the hell? I think the only president yeah. that we didn't do that under was, I don't know, was, and I, I got no love for the guy. Believe me, guys, me and Ian talked about him, but it was under Trump where we didn't do that. And again, so I'm just saying that's just a statement. That is not, I'm vouching Trump as the guy. He's not. I, I, would, would you say, uh, would you? 
Would, would you right, say Bush right. Sr., though? I think a lot of people would say Bush Sr., we went in and got out and left. You know? Bush Sr., you're right. And I guess right. I'm, I'm getting oldie, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> but no, Bush Bush Sr., was it was that was that was a good, that was a great, no, it was a great strategy. And Colin Powell and Norman Skorskoff, like him or not, and I don't think they even, I don't know if, from things you read, if they even liked each other, they still worked together, and they did a great job right. on that. For Yeah, I agree, and but. It, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, Phil. I, I'm talking for you. I'm sorry, man. No, I. Well, I think you're hitting on the point. You know, the next thing everybody wants to know is, well, you know, who's to blame and how do we fix it? Well, I, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, I, <laughs> I think political uh, when politics <laughs> get in the way, I don't. You can't. I don't expect a whole lot. I mean, that's all, yeah. that's all I'll say, you know, when politics dic- dictate tactics, it's yep. um, yep. I, I think you're asking for trouble. Always. So I guess Always. trying to keep that division would be the solution, but I don't know if we're capable of that. Doesn't seem like it right now, but you're not the first yeah. veteran that thinks that. And I know, I know Ian and I have had discussions and I know that we've, I, I don't want to speak for Ian, but I feel that we're the same way. It's like, they need to be separate. I mean, you got to have an oversight. Yes. And you got to have people that right. talk to, but, Right now, politics and politicians are the ones that dictate tactics where shit, they can't even tactically handle their own families. Well, I don't know how they yeah, can handle right. it. But, um, but, but I, I, right. I wanted to ask, Ian, did you have anything on? I know we well, wanted no, to get in that one, one a little bit. One thing I was going to say on that, though, is, is Chris, like you were very consistent, you know, for people who are thinking this is like Monday quarterback stuff. Like you were consistent in that if people listen back to the episodes, just a couple of months ago, yeah. you said announcing a date was a terrible idea. Announcing September 11th that we were getting out, you vocally said this is awful. So people go listen back. You've been pretty consistent on it. Um, the, my only question would be, is there really a um, like just looking back, look, things went the way they did. But is there really a predicament where it would have went down fine? Because my feeling as someone who's never been over there, but just watching this and listening to other veterans like both of you guys, that no matter when we decided to pull out the, uh, you know, the group calling themselves ISIS-K, whatever, they were waiting for us to leave sure. and do what they're doing right now. I, I just don't think there's a scenario where there would have been like a, uh, a calm withdrawal. No, I think you're, you're right. I think, you know, it, yeah, I think when, whenever we would have decided to pull out it, if it was done differently, yeah, it's, you know, I can't say it's going to be a totally clean exit, right? You know, there's going to be some yeah. some things that happen there. But I think what most veterans look at is just the glaring obvious. Like, why did we give up the gear, certain uh-huh. capabilities uh-huh. to pull yeah. out of a place that was basically sits in a bowl and is a large metro area right on top of it? Um, so you, I, it was just tactically the probably one of the worst places to execute this thing. And then I'd say number two, depending on the Taliban to be your uh, outer perimeter of security, I think was a wrong freaking call. Um, yeah. So I, I, nobody's saying there's not going to be, you know, some, some issues pulling out, but I think the, that this was just such a glaringly bad example of how to do it that, um, I don't think most people want, you know, could stay quiet over it and, and not that they weigh into politics, but just to say this was not, this was done about as bad as you could do it. 
And, and no, and you're right. And, and you're right with that. Ian, no, the Taliban were just, that's what they do. They they dispersed out. They waited for us to leave. Right. They came in. There's ways to do that, though, where you could even do a feint where you fake like you're leaving. You could. It's, right. it's called a feint. Feint, just like in, in boxing where right. you're feinting and like you're going to attack, then you draw back and you let them attack. And then you go after them as you're basically, it's like an, almost like an ambush. And you could do that. You could have fainted and said, hey, yeah, we're pulling out now. And they're going to come out of the work because our media just can't shut them shut up and not give out information but give oh, out yeah. bad information right, to the right. media we're leaving they start to come out well uh, what do we got up there there's some b2s there's an isr there's respecters and you fucking decimate them all right and then you pull out again and it may be a little bit you may be a little calmer so you can get out easier uh, and give the afghanis a yeah. chance to defend themselves but if even if that doesn't happen you still the gear that we leave and you know because you're a night vision this is this really applies huge to your company night vision <laughs> the capabilities that we gave them where they can reverse engineer not the afghanis but the iranians the chinese even the russians if maybe they're going to be buddies right. now reverse engineer all those all that technology that we left that gave us the advantage and i'll say that from experience the six of us with night vision could fight off a oh, hundred yeah. guys without it but now they have that capability. That is scary for our troops in the future. That is so fucking scary because now they have that same capability that we gave them. That That's what pisses veterans off. Not that the Taliban wouldn't have come out of the woodwork. Yeah, we probably could have done oh, some right. stuff. But we could have, it, it was that we left all that technology there and we left our people there. And yeah, we eventually got most of them out, at least as far as we know. And we left... Right all of the people that helped us there where we could have done a exfil and then pulled the military out and then, okay, yeah, Tyler, you're, you're coming in. That's it. But what right. we did is we exfilled and we didn't get anything out and we left it all there. And, yeah. and then they, I, then they got a hold yeah. of it. Not that's to me, that's what pisses me off and a lot of veterans, but, but yeah, the Taliban was always, that's just, that's, they've been fighting there for years. They're going to keep fighting Afghan. That's, they're going to come in. It's just the, yeah, it's the tactically and the tech technologically technological shit that we left there. And then all the propaganda that they were able to use, but with the helicopters and the flying this around, I mean, God dang, it just, as veterans, you're like, Holy shit, we beat the living shit out of these guys. It's like beating, beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and you're kicking the living shit out of them. But then at the end of the game, they throw a winning touchdown and you're like, really? What the fuck? Really coach? Because the coach pulled the whole team off the field. It's right. like, uh, it, yeah, it just, it, and yeah, it's well, you know, like you said, it, it was the uh, the per, you know, perceptions, everything, you know, as far as the public and the media goes, and I don't think anybody can argue what they saw, and you know, when you know, it really looked like we kind of allowed the Taliban to dictate our moves, yeah, which yeah. is strategically, I think, a mistake. <laughs> because um, that's what that's what it appeared to be um you know that we were kind of on the taliban's timeline and we had to we were worried about keeping them happy more than you know getting our people out and, and getting um, getting the getting the gear out and yeah. doing a and, doing an exfil we're like okay we're getting out of here don't fuck with us right. anymore but now they're gonna pay yeah, it's like a mad dash to the door you know where you're 
flip flops are falling off and your, <laughs> your Twinkies are falling out of your cargo pocket and you're running for the door is kind of what it looked like. That's, well that's the best way. It. Well said. I'll leave it at that. That was awesome. I'll leave it at that. I was talking. Yeah, it was, it was. It was crazy to watch, and you know, I. I guess that's just the way that you have to get through it is through humor. Because I know you guys both have lost so many people over there. I have people contacting me who worked with you, Chris, who are like, "We, you need to help me get oh, out of here." I know the, the whole situation yeah. is nuts. Um, but I, I do want to, of course, get into what you're doing now, yeah. which is yeah. Photonist Defense. Oh, okay. You are the sales manager <laughs> of Photonist Defense Night Vision Systems. Um, and we love what you guys are doing. And, and now that I know that Chris has had a chance to, uh, for lack of a better word, like play with your stuff, like, it, it, <laughs> like it's loving, loving what you guys have put out there. Dude, Phil's used to me playing with his stuff, working together, Afghanistan, <laughs> same car, yeah, no- sit, sit, sitting in the same car together for like three hours. Yeah. What else are you going to do? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. For Thomas is, uh, yeah, it, it it's an exciting and, and fun ride with the guys. We got, you know, we're, we're pretty lean um, personnel wise, but, you know, we can operate that way, that way uh, because the folks involved, you know, have, have kind of the passion for it and then the drive and, and proficient. Um, so it's kind of nice to be agile, lean, and, um, you know, putting out a product that uh, it's actually kind of a small niche product you know when you think about image intensifiers what what drives analog night vision uh as far as us goes there's three sources for that we're one of them so it's kind of cool to be in in that boat and then um you know as far as putting out complete systems um you know there's a lot of options out there but they all at some point are powered by one of three uh you can get some chinese or russian stuff but it's usually pretty lousy um but kind of going back to what you were mentioning chris but uh yeah it's fun and uh you know and it's cool gear so for guys like myself or chris or anybody else i mean how do you not enjoy yeah kind of dealing with this kind of product and you know the other side is you know the continued line of of service right you know i'd like to think that i'm helping provide you know needed tools to keep somebody alive. Well, the next generation, the generation after us. Yeah, definitely. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's definitely a rewarding job and, and a good company to work for. I enjoy it. I'm having a blast. Explain, because I can't explain it as well as you can, but just that modification of being able to shut off where you don't have those angles that would normally shut off the old night vision, you know, turn it off where you can just uh, you know that capability right. that's that's different I, I don't think it's any other night vision if it is they're copying you guys um but just the ability that the turn off again that's what i told you it's just right. even just the little things like the turn off feature uh of of that is huge that's huge in in our line of work and, and right. makes so makes it more capable they're normally you know if you get a, a night vision binocular or monocular there's a cutoff function to where you know if the device goes upward into like a stowed position or articulated to the side out of the way once it gets past a certain point there's an electronic switch in a device that cuts power to either the whole system or that individual tube um and and occasionally that type of switch depending on your body position 
may inadvertently shut that device off when you don't want it to. Um, and the old, you know, the best, I guess, example I could give is just a, a shooting position, you know, under a barricade, under a vehicle to where you're in a pretty awkward position. And if that device shuts off, uh, especially <laughs> in the middle of pulling the trigger, you might have some problems. Yeah. Um, so what Photonis, uh, did with theirs is make it a magnetic shutoff. So once that device comes so far away from the mount, um, that turns the power off. So even if you're upside down, as long as that goggle is in uh, the position in front of your eyes, it's not going to turn off. So that, that was one little kind of clever workaround to, uh, to a solution or to complaints, you know, from end users. And, uh, yeah, that, that I don't know of anybody else doing it that way, but, um, that's huge. It, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely a good way to kind of work around that issue. Huge, huge. Um, and then you got more stuff coming out. I don't know if you're able to talk, you text me that piece that is that need to know right now, the, the focus, the focus oh. piece. Or can well, you talk- that's a, a yeah, that's a Matbach Eclipse device where it's it's got this um, collapsible or expanding iris that you can rapidly focus that tube, that individual tube. So um, you basically, if you had to read a map or look at your watch or a GPS unit, um, you can just with a quick flip of the switch. Um, you can bring that iris in to where you can read that. Yeah. I don't know, like 10 inches from your face or roughly somewhere around there where normally you, that goggle wouldn't be able to do that. Um, And that's been out for a little bit. Matbox had that for a while for a lot of the PBS 14s and 31s and 15s. But for ours, because we use a 16 millimeter tube versus 18, our goggles are smaller. So there's an O-ring that Matt Bach uses that can ship with that device. And that was, um, was originally for the SAS goggles and it, and it fits ours by, uh, that's awesome. somewhat, somewhat coincidental, um, fits our device. And then that Matt Bach will slide over that and yeah, holds in pretty that's well. Tr- that's, that's pretty cool. I'll have to try it. I can't wait to yeah. send, send me some, send me some night. It, it's kind of, it gives you fish eyes. Like if you ever see a picture of somebody wearing them, it, 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 it's oh, you, Have you ever seen hot yeah. shots, hot shots part do where they have the guy that has walleye oh, yeah. vision. Yeah. That's like that's basically, John, yeah. John Cryer. He has walleye vision. And it's right. so, um, ah, dude, that's, that, pretty much how it is. that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else you got to look through the the panos, right? The quads. Yeah, no, they, the the quad the quads and the the, the, and the panels, guys. The quads are so you can what night vision, you know. And it started to come out. I don't know how many years ago, but the ability to see peripherally, which most night vision you couldn't. Then they came out the quads. It's the four bangers, yeah. four tubes, and those ones, dude. The photonis hats. They're they're so much lighter and smaller and they still work just as well as the bigger ones. That's what's, that's the, that's the downside of quads is especially, especially the original ones is they were so fucking heavy, just heavy. And you guys have figured out how to, how to make them a little bit lighter. And that's, that's, that's a big deal, especially if you have to wear them for a long period of time. 
um, just just yeah. fatigue and getting rubberneck uh, is, is something that's, that's right. It's hard to operate no. when you can't pick your neck up. It really is. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's um, yeah. There's a lot of capability kind of put into that goggle, and and you know, 104 degrees is at field of view versus yeah. you know, your binos are like 41. Yeah. Uh, that is a huge uh, advantage. You know not just tactically, but safety wise, if you're, you know, if you're an officer driving your yeah. cat or MRAP, you know, down the street, you don't necessarily want to knock all the mirrors off the parked cars. Right. So that pano <laughs> kind of gives you that ability to see more of what's around you. So you don't uh, take it out accidentally, I, but yeah, even tactically, it, you know, if you can see something sooner coming around a corner, <laughs> rather than later that that may mean something significant so um, <laughs> yeah the, but uh, you know the binos are a great tool I mean they're uh, just just the form factor and the size and then the performance that are kind of all smashed up into that and then we do it in a metal housing as well where I don't know of anybody else doing a metal housing with individual articulating tubes wow yeah. usually usually it's too heavy yeah, you know, yeah, to yep. do that, but we've kind of shrunk shrunk things down and able to pull it off and still compete weight wise with you know the lightest goggles out there, but yet you keep the metal uh, durability of that housing. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. No, they're great stuff, and I don't know if we'll ever see. We him and I did this video together. It's, it's kind of a goofy video of us clearing a actually clearing Fort Scott Munitions building right. to steal their ammo. And then we, we run out and we get away on our, what are they called? You gotta put our, it up, man. That's up to them. It's, it's his and Fort Scott's video. So when they put it up, then I'll repost it on ours. Oh yeah. But, Fort but Scott your, can your, your guys. Is, yeah, no, I, you know, that's definitely more for Fort Scott's um, promotion. You know, we got some good, Still, oh, we got some uh, excellent images out of there too. But yeah, no, that was that was fun um, doing and, video. Hopefully, Fort Scottle. And what are those uh, little those little motorized scooters that we? Well, you know, I've got an app on my phone, uh, Bird Bird app. Bird app. What? Are and that's these scooters. Yeah, they're electric, and I don't know you... if there's any other name for them. But yeah, that I drove around that <laughs> a few days I was there. That's what I got around downtown. And you're, you're night vision. Scooter. I worked and I had the 15s on and I could drive easy with them with my night vision. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get those videos up, man. Yeah. yeah that, that was kind of funny. Yeah. So. Yeah. Check, check them out, guys. I mean, they're doing amazing things. They're the most innovative right. out there. So it's botanistdefense.com. Uh, is there anywhere for people to find you? I know you're on LinkedIn. I That's the only place I've really yeah. seen you. So. Um, no, I kind of. I try to keep a little low profile. Um, I'm hey, on smart in this Instagram. I feel, like you, I feel like you work for a company and say the wrong it, thing. You know, just, yeah, I'm kind of uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, but uh, if you know somebody needs to get a hold of, of Photonis, uh, photonisdefense.com, and there's uh, you know there's phone numbers, there's uh, a contact. Um, button that you can hit so if there's some interest there uh whether you know it's a professional end user or commercial even yeah go ahead and track us down and it will 
you know the corporate world, right? You go through that, it'll route to <laughs> the appropriate uh, the appropriate person. But um, yeah, that's the best way to do it right now. Is and and we're still kind of. Uh, because, you know, doing new complete systems, is, it, it's new for us. Uh, we haven't been doing it very long. Matter of fact, I was just at NTOA uh, conference in Kansas City a couple of days ago. That was really the first time that our goggles have been displayed, you know, officially anywhere. Um, we, we launched them in 2020, kind of during a COVID thing. And it, as you probably tell, there wasn't a whole lot of trade shows going on, wasn't a whole lot of shot show didn't even go on so yeah. i was told it was going to yeah by like guests on the show they were like no it's gonna happen yeah so virtual shot show that doesn't really work yeah we're still you know getting caught up to the whole social media and and that kind of thing as a company because normally we've just been producing the imaging tubes you know the the component and at that point you know it's really our dealers yeah. You know, we've not really had to run social media page or get involved in that too much, but we're, we're going to, yeah, start doing, doing that angle. Um, kind of bring more to light, you know, what we're doing. Cause we've got some new things coming to hopefully in the near future, you know, doing, doing some different things again, you know, we don't like showing, showing up to the party in the same outfit everybody else is wearing. Yeah. So we're going to try to do some different things. Um, but it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll awesome. be good. But yeah. Yeah, guys. So check out Photonist Defense. Of course, check out Fort Scott Munitions. Check out um, uh, Bob's Naturals. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us with our ranking. We love seeing those five-star reviews. Uh, if you have any questions for the show, we're going to do a uh, Q&A episode again soon. So battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Any questions at all that you have. Um, and Phil, am I going to be seeing you at SHOT Show this coming year? Because I'm, I'm hoping to go. I haven't gone in a few years. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the plan as of right now is, yeah, we're, we've got a booth. And nice. we're planning on, yeah, bringing a crew down hey, there. Get, so. get, get, get in a pass, man. Yeah. Get in, get in a pass for Photonist Defense. We'll put up a if battle. If you can, that would be huge, man. Because, we'll do a yeah, battle line. We'll do about we'll do some shows from the booth if seriously we we could yeah. oh right right no that's a good idea yeah I guess no, they'll hand out some stickers for battle line we'll, you know yeah we'll get Ian in I mean that would be huge man that would just be tell me I'm planning tell me, going tell me if it costs <laughs> any everything I'll 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 pay for we'll, I mean we'll, we'll we'll get it paid for well, I'm surprised you guys I mean are considered industry as well aren't you. You know, we, I mean, we could put our own. I don't think we put it in our. I, I was thinking about that battle line. We could. I just don't know if I. It's. I haven't done it. It's too late, isn't it? I think it's too I late mean, to put it. No, I don't think so because you don't necessarily have to be there as a seller. You can that's get right. a buyer. It doesn't, it doesn't cost anything if you are in the industry, right? You just need to sign up, I think. Well, it'll cost you. I mean, you're. Oh, it does. Like, okay. Take that back. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I, th I think if you have a booth, they give you so many passes for your, if you buy it, but right. it costs money to have a booth. And depending on what level you're on, like if you're at the basement yeah. level, it's not, but if right. you're on the top level, 
But um, well, you know, that's I'll help you out, man. Whatever you need me to do, my my uh, my very minor celebrity at Shot Show. It, it's right. I, the, every now and again, there are people who recognize me at Shot Show. It's like the one time a year that I go to something, <laughs> and they're like, "You're Ian. Um, You're from whatever well, podcast." I'm doing yeah, the time. between all the folks, I'd say between you know us and Fort Scott or Maxim or something like yeah. that, we'll get you in. That would be huge. We, we won't we'll leave figure you standing it out. outside panhandling outside. Of I know. That's what I said. I said, I said if, if we can't, get one, I'll just give you mine at two. You just get me outside. And do your um, but that's and true. That'll be, that'll be true stolen valor. <laughs> <laughs> I go around and I say that I was there in Benghazi. Yeah, but that'd be hilarious. Fire. Word, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm game. I'll vouch for you, man. That'd be awesome. I would love to see you walk around with Chris Prano name tag on. And just <laughs> uh, Chris Prano. Just start signing stuff like you're him. Yeah, I would that would that. Be, yo, that would be funny to get a video. Would be, <laughs> that would be a funny skit, dude. Yeah, yeah. Signing everything uh-huh. like you never quit. You, yeah, you know what though, Phil's Phil, Phil yeah. is he's he's got a mind for funny skits. So don't don't tempt him. He'll figure out something. <laughs> Seriously, he'll he'll put something out. We could do something, yeah, yeah. That that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, don't yeah, worry. No, about I'll, that. I'll be there. Thanks. And uh, and the Great. last thing I'll say is, uh, under us, you're hearing, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the new outro from Jimmy Allen. Uh, so shout out to Jimmy Allen from Against All Will, from Puddle of Mud for uh, for putting that together for us. It sounds great. Uh, I'm doing that all that mm. post, so you're not hearing it, hearing it right now, Phil. Is that will song and, and, intro for you guys? Yeah, we have we, we did our intro, yeah. and now he did our outro. He's and, awesome, uh, awesome. He's guy. the man. You, you know what? I was thinking, Chris, you got to visit him sometime because he, as it was getting his address, so I could send him payment and all that. He's in Kansas City, Missouri. Still, no way. So he's really? driving distance from you, if you guys, and you know he loves to shoot. He probably no, Jim, Jimmy shoot. loves loves guns. He's been on the show before. He's huge veteran supporter, and yeah, puddle of mud, man. That dude rocks. Fucking Jimmy Rock. What's his name? Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen. And actually, he he has his uh what his new band um against all against will. all will against all yeah. will um but, but he I mean was, he uh if I mean all the big okay. songs that's the thing I think people look at MTV and they see that it's Wes Scantland and you know the, this right. is the band but he's the guy who wrote you know she hates me and yeah. and blurry and uh, and all those all those big songs he was the primary okay. songwriter so. He's the man. I mean, he's just one of the best songwriters out there. And the fact that I could say to him, hey, could you put together an outro that sounds like this? And a couple of days later, he sends me what we have. Yeah, dude, You're, You guys will be blown away. I mean, he did a killer job. It's wow. It's got like a Leonard Skinner feel to it. He, and he, he, he loves and yeah, he loves a huge supporter of the military and veterans, man. Huge. Yeah. And he loves guns. He does. Right. He loves to shoot. So I don't know. Maybe we need to hook him up with some night, get, take some night vision. And do, take, he, dude, he would be on cloud nine. Not if you gave him it. You can't give him five thousand dollars if he's <laughs> night vision. Oh, but yeah, but if but if you if you had him like took and shot with him and sh- I know he's never never done it before. That would be right. Honestly, that would well, be pretty cool. The one thing I could say for him uh, is is if you do go the social media route and put stuff up he can do original music because a lot of the times, like I've seen it even with you, Chris, oh. you'll put up a video. The song is copyrighted. This It gets yeah. thrown off Instagram. Uh, so it actually really oh. comes in handy to have someone who can make original music for you so that your stuff doesn't get taken off YouTube, taken off Instagram. I mean, that's why I wanted him to do an original song for us so that we don't keep getting flagged. This song yeah. is copyrighted. Yeah. So he, it, you know, just saying, if you ever do a Photonis ad and you need original music, right. he is your guy. Oh, okay. 
that uh, well, I got his name down. I'll check him out. You just need to just hit uh, me up if you need his info, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get up just with him. Yeah. Do something. Hey, yeah. Go fucking bail that hay, you fucking farmer. <laughs> yeah, go, go. I'm ready to. We'll have to <laughs> yeah, we'll have to link up later because you know I didn't even cover any uh, when I was working as an analyst. Wait, wait, is there a story there though that we're missing? Well, I guess back up a little bit. Basically, what what we did was um, watch like pred and reaper footage and then we would put together these products that develop a pattern of life on a particular personality sure. and then that becomes part of the targeting package right yep yep, yep. and uh, and then the other half we'll watch you know we provide overwatch for the direct action and then you know same with every little product after that as well but there was one time and i've you know you always hear legends right of like somebody getting a knife kill or something like that, dude. And I saw one on video and I don't want to say what color the element was, but it was some kind of hostage situation. And these guys are being kept in the mountains. I think it was after, you know, Taliban had some Afghani partners guys were sleeping in their blankets. I don't want to call them sleeping bags because you know, they don't use that, but like these sleeping bags and we can watch the guys, they inserted, you know, by Hilo, I don't know how many clicks away and kind of came over the mountain and down. And you could see the guy walk up to the sleeping man and almost like, and just like plunge something into him. And then they'd move on and do the same thing to the next guy. And I think by the time they got to a tent, somebody came out and ended up smoking him. Um, and then I don't, there was only like two or three. There was, it was a small amount of people Mom. kind of being held up there. Uh, but that was just something that like, that blew my mind. Like what you always hear about guys getting like an E-tool kill in Vietnam. Yeah. Or something crazy. <laughs> well, I watched it. I watched the freaking knife kill. That was pretty. Uh, that's a, pretty that's amazing. a, that's a, and that doesn't happen. You yeah. know, not that we're glorifying it, guy. Glorifying it, guys, but it, it is worse hell, man. And, and that's why only people realize how, yeah. how, how, it, and that doesn't happen. That, that doesn't happen. People think, lot. no, that doesn't happen a lot. And you, you have to have a, a different kind of mindset. I mean, granted, the op comes first. So the op, right. I, 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 if that's what, and, and you have to remain some stealth, you're going to do it. But damn it, that's, that's like, that's intimate. You know, shooting somebody. I, I don't know, like, man. That's right. okay. That, that's shooting a bad guy, but man, up close and personal. That's it. That, well, that's some yeah, intimacy there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you're you've got to put yourself within arm's reach of that individual yeah. to do it. Number one. So what if you know you're ready for that, and a dude wakes up, they wakes blows up. you away. So it's I wouldn't say it's even advisable in a lot of cases, but like you said, ultimate stealth. I mean, if that was, if that was the mission, if that was the, you had to be quiet, then you Um, got a choice. (laughs) And I got one more, uh, just real quick. (laughs) Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I don't know if it's Chris is the one who's like, I gotta go, but no, no, we're we're good. I I, I do too. I mean, I burned time, but, uh, we were watching, I don't know. We were on a mission somewhere and there was a tick uh, they called out a tick and, and we've got all these feeds, right? And I don't know some unicorn satellite sending all this to us. And so the, the, it was a predator reaper. I think it was a reaper pulls off and goes to this tick and, and we get on, 
Now, just so uh, everybody out there, tell everybody station. what a tell everybody what a tick is, because not everybody's military that that uh, troops in contact. Okay, got just yeah. what, just yeah, I wouldn't have known. Got, that. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. That usually takes precedence depending on what you got going. So if sure. you're just observing something casual like pattern of life, uh, and you're not actioning that individual, you know, if you get a tick and you can respond, that you're going to get pulled off and and go, and that's whether it's. UAV, it could be CAS, it could, you know, close air support, it could be another ground unit. You're, you know, you're going to help. And we get there and A-10s were kind of hitting this mountainside and it's kind of hard, you know, to watch through the, the sensor ball what was going on. But we ended up zooming in. This A-10 was doing gun runs and this, it was a, a Taliban guy just running through the valley and he was carrying what looked like a burlap sack. And we don't have sound, but you would always see the guy squat, throw the burlap bag over him, and then all these little miniature explosions around him go right by him. Poop, 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 poop. Well, every time that dude heard the A-10 diving in, he would lay down and cover up this burlap bag, and he would get missed. And then he'd pop up and take off running again. Dude, this went on for like a half hour. This A-10 was just trying to zing this guy with the 30-millimeter cannon. Damn. It finally got close enough where he didn't get back up the last time. But it was he probably did five pounds like that, you know. Oh, uh, man. But, uh, okay, yeah, and that's, I don't know. That's, to me, that that's why I that, I don't know if you – I have respect. <laughs> I, have, I have some respect for – for the people that were fighting in the terrorist oh, yeah. it's a burlap sack or, or, or it was one of those brown blankets that, that those damn shit. Yeah. But yep. that's it. Yeah. I've got, I, yeah. <laughs> and, um, itchy sons of, of bitches, but can you imagine? And just, yeah. it, it, who knows? Maybe this guy was a senior guy that fought against the Russians and that's how, but that's the tactics, man. They learned their own fucking tactics. And, a bur- simple as that, a five dollar, but they don't need to worry about that now because now they have their own helicopters that we gave them in night vision and guns yeah. and him. So yeah. they, no, he can just dry, he can just fly away now. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's know. that's awesome. And you're watching and you're watching that on a feed. Do you feel I, I've never seen that on a feed? Um, like watching it in that for does it feel like you're watching it just on TV? Like a, like you're just watching it like it's just kind of like a movie or not? You like no, not for me. It didn't. So. I don't, for most of the people in that unit, so it was a mix of contractor and actual military members. Most of the people there were never uh, a ground combat unit prior to doing that. There was a couple of us, like some of the contractors or actually three or four former like infantry Marines that, you know, transitioned to be an analyst that were working it. So for me, no, it was more, um, I was kind of amazed initially because, you know, and, and, you know, Chris, always being on the ground, you're only fed a narrow yeah. window of info, right? I mean, we I mean, did some interesting things and it, it was a good time, but going into that position and looking at all the support it takes for just some of these simple, you know, missions to be pulled off was, was pretty amazing and seeing it from, you know, maybe a no shit 30,000 foot view, you know, seeing ops from that angle uh, and how they interact with other ops somewhere else. It, it, that was pretty amazing. But, uh, you know, there were times um, where you kind of feel helpless because so we're we've got somebody working the computer 
and I, I don't want to call them mission commander, but they're basically they're they're sitting in the main seat. They're controlling it. We give direction based on the units that we support, right? So if it's uh, CJ Soda for sure. whoever, they may say, "Hey, here's the building at this grid. Watch a grid. Follow any vehicles that leave that building. Follow any." military age male that has this description, blah, 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 whatever. So we're giving that direction to the pilots and the sensor operator of that UAV. Um, so there is somewhat of a link from us to the drone operator down to um, the combatant commander or the, the, the GFC ground force commander or maybe a JTAC, right? But not everybody in that unit we're watching talks yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah. It'd, it'd yeah. be too much. There's no too reason much. for them, right? Yeah. But some of that is difficult because you can see. I know in in Iraq it was a it was a CJ Sodif mission, and they had Iraqi enablers and American, you know, uh, what they call it. Um, you know, it's a, the, like a train and advise and advise. They're just advisors, advisors, or they're called, yeah, human or human guys that are there and with them. Yep. Well, and they're, yeah, they're out. They pretty much provide the medic, the air, the yep. JTAC and the ground force commander. And then they got all these little Iraqi dudes running around with AKs in front of them. Right. So they, they flush some guys off a, an objective and, you know, you can't tell if it's American or Iraqi or whatever, but you know, they're, they're blue force. Sure. And you can see the bad guys hiding in the cattails, but the guys walking up to them don't Can't see, see that. We do, but we don't have any direct contact with that guy. God. So you basically yeah. watch the guy walk up and get shot by the insurgent hiding in the cattails. Are, and are, are you telling and, their advisor, though? Or are you saying, hey, dude, oh, yeah. pull, pull the reins yeah, but on it does, It doesn't get there in time. See, and that's, so, so you're not, you, that's what I always, and I know that, I know that happens. I've never yeah. been in that seat before you're at, but there's too much right. where you got to, this person has to talk to this person, which has to talk to this person. And by the time it gets to the, where it needs to, the, it's over. They still well, have it, have it simplified right. that, or it's just like, well, I need to talk directly to the fucking commander. I need to talk to the guys on the ground right now, whoever's seen well, it. And that's the problem, right? Is sometimes we've stacked so much technology on top that there's really no practical way to get from maybe the guy that's analyzing footage down to the guy that's going to get shot, going to walk in the cattails and get his, get his head fucking blown. Right. Because even if we could tell the JTAC on that team right then, you know, that relay to him may take 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And then the JTAC to the, on the team radio, you know, it might be another 15, 20 seconds. And by then it's kind of, behind the curve so yeah there are times where you're kind of helpless right you're watching these things and you're like man i've been you know it's like you've been in that position on the ground and you know what it's like and it's like god if i could just go direct i just want to talk to you know like esp <laughs> tell this guy you know hold up take a knee <laughs> throw yeah. a frag over there throw a frag over there, then that would be hard um, so yeah there's some you know sometimes things like that happen and there's it's just kind of the nature of the beast, right? We've got so much stacked on top of people that there's really no practical way uh, or effective way to make that happen unless you got everybody on the channel at the same time. Same but time. They've got their own inter-channel to, to monitor, and, and that's probably of more importance. So, 
I don't know that you're, but I guess just an example of kind of, you know, one side to the next, right. Where you're watching these things unfold. And, and it was, um, it's actually a cool perspective because I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, you, you're, I've never worked in a, in a jock. I've never worked in something where I'm watching a drone right. and watching feeds. I, I've been in there and talking to a feed that was three minutes behind of what I was seeing. I mean, literally felt like that uh, where they, I mean, sometimes, yeah, even on, um, yeah, the GRS side, even early on, there were times where, um, yeah, you might be able to have a little tactical drone, but the technology at that time was still sketchy. So guys didn't want to use it. Basically, yeah. you know, you would have a handheld, uh, something like an iPad for lack of a better term. And, you know, the little thing above you is sending a feed. Well, you know, if you don't have the, the control of that makes how usable that system is, right? right. And yeah. the feed and that it's some of those things were kind of still in its infancy, you know, when I was on the other end of it or you were on the other end. Well, even, even in 2012, man, then having an ISR feeding us information, hey, they're moving on you when I'm already watching them breach the wall. I'm like, hey, fucker. And I'm, I remember calling, hey, tell that fucking ISR. ISR to expand. I said, tell him to expand. He's too close. I says, I'm seeing shit fucking this going on a minute ago. Tell him to fucking back off and, and get a wider angle. Well, that's exactly, I mean, you point out exactly the problem. Yeah. I described is that by the time it's because before it got to you, dude, it went through four people, four different people. And, and, you know, and that's, well, maybe we need to invent, maybe photonist needs to invent a, a calm line. That can be like a sat link, man, a mini fucking, a mini 17 uh, that, that everybody that's about this big that everybody can wear and have, you know, have their right. icons in this ear and have the 17 with the having the there's, fucking 10 alpha comment in this ear and everybody talking, man. There's ways out there, you know, I think that can do it, but I, you know, we start getting about technology. I'm not the guy to troubleshoot that one. Because <laughs> you're a farmer. You know, the technology is there, but being able to manage that technology in that environment. I, I, I can see the challenge. Yeah. I don't would know be. if there's a perfect answer for it, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know. We, maybe we need to have somebody on the show about technology and talk about that. That would actually be cool. Cause I know absolutely yeah. nothing about how it works as far as that. I know how to use it, but I, you know, right, there's so right. many agencies. Ah, yeah. I, hey, well, Hey, hey I, uh, I yeah, that was that was my wife. Pro- my wife was leaving. I got we got to we got to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and as I said, I teased out the outro probably like thirty minutes ago. Now <laughs> you're actually you're actually hearing the outro music from Jimmy Allen here that I talked about like thirty minutes ago. And um, as always, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Really helps us out. Thank you, Phil, for going Phil, awesome. here. Uh, great stories, and I, I think the people will love it. Yeah, no problem. Good luck, Ian, with the edit work on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to edit anything, really. It, it's going to be exactly yeah. what we did. So, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll chat with you later, brother. Take care, Phil. And, right, and, uh, sounds good. Now, we'll, we'll get right, together man. and play some more when, when we get a chance, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. definitely. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself. 
face all challenges head on. And as always, never, never quit. quit.